What up, though, One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey, and we are here with a Monday edition of the College Football Podcast, the Regal Royal Rumble. Ryan, we are nine weeks into the college football season. Week 10 is coming up on us. Tomorrow is the revelation of the first college football playoff bracket, the most you know, awe-inspiring, debate-inspiring thing that's completely pointless, but it goes out there. But we're at the business point of the season now. There is a small clutch of teams who can realistically make the playoffs and any little misstep, and it's over. Yeah, I think we're down to nine, maybe nine teams realistically that have a chance of making the playoffs, and none of them have got more than one loss. Yeah, and... Yeah, we've got what seven? Is it seven undefeated teams? Or isn't there seven eight. undefeated? Teams? Eight, yeah. Like I say we, those will start to fall very quickly now. But yeah, right now we're at the business end of the year. Like I say it's loser goes home now. Most weeks, especially the weeks we've got this like it's winner stays on to make the first AP like I say playoff final four. But yeah, I I don't think there'll be any problem filling the bowl game slots this year. No, I, I think we will have a plethora of six-win teams. Yeah. So that looks for the likes of uh, Jackson, Jacksonville State and GMU and that. Uh, they're going to miss out, unfortunately, because they just won't need them. Yeah, I mean, there's like three or four weeks to go. And, you know, realistically at the minute, you're only looking at Florida State, who's kind of really nailed down first place in the conference. Everyone else is still wide open, very competitive. And there's a lot on the line here. And this weekend just gone... There were upsets. There are so many survivors who nearly got upset. It's, it's where everybody starts getting nervous and you can see which teams it's starting to affect. And some teams, their season is now over because it's gotten to them. We're on some bad losing streaks for some teams. So there is a lot to discuss today. We will be going, as I say, through week nine of the season. We've got a bit of news as well. And then we'll be taking a little look ahead to week 10. Let us dive in. Oh, way weary is in as well. Because Louisville beat Notre Dame and shut out Duke. Could they upset Florida State in the ACC? Oh, well, you know, let's, let's do a little bit of chat first. Then, Rye, I mean, the ACC, we've, we've focused on a bit more over the last few weeks. But Louisville have just been a, a such a conundrum this year. Started off 5-0, 6-0. They fell to the curse that was me shining a spotlight on them. Um, because that's what's happened for the sixth time in a row this season. Uh, but they've rebounded pretty well. You watched that Duke game the other day, so early on, Louisville, did, do you reckon they are a threat for the ACC this year? No, whatsoever, no. I don't think they can hold a candle at Florida State. I don't trust Jack Plummer as far as I can throw him. They need a serious upgrade before they threat the ACC. I just don't think he's that good. Yeah. I say, and I... I I feel like their record really does flatter them. Strong run game, good defence, but yeah, they, they don't have the guy in the centre to threaten a defence like Florida State. 
And they don't have a defence that I think could stop the weapons that Florida State happen. Could they make a title game? Yeah, absolutely. Would they get their ass handed to them? I would I would certainly think so. But even that would be a massive improvement on what has happened in recent years, even in Arsenal winning an ACC title. I think the tech it yeah, them. It's definitely progress, but yeah, like UNC, I say we'll talk about Duke, like I say their lack of reliability and availability in the centre of the quarterback position. They've fallen away. The path basically is there for Louisville to just just hang on to the coattails and ride it into to be the to be the title challenger. So their fate is all in their own hands right now. They handle their business and they're they're basically there. There's not a lot anyone can really do to stop them right now. No, I I think I'm with you. I think it's too much too soon. For the record, we are both believers in bromance and what he's building there. But um, I think it's just a season too soon. And Florida State, they they've just got such an experienced team. They've they had like one of the most returning starter production percentages this year. So they're primed and ready to go now. And I don't think Louisville are in that position just yet. But you know, they're, they're a good team. I've appreciated watching them this year. But yeah, I think. Not quite. I'm not sure there's anyone in the ACC now who can. But appreciate the question. You got any more things you want to ask us? Let us know. Um, right, we've got a few bits of news to go through. Then we're going to dive down into the reviews for week nine of the weekend. And, and this was what Lost Oceans was talking about on Twitch. Um, he goes, I expect a three-hour discussion celebrating that Brian Ferentz is not returning next year to Iowa. And, of course, that is the big news today, Ryan. It seems to be that Kirk Ferentz appears finally to be contemplating an act of filicide and chucking his son, Brian, by the wayside as offensive coordinator at Iowa. The situation there is so bad. I mean, he was given that little weird contract thing this year where if he scored, if his offense scored 25 or more points per game, he would get extended, And which is for college football. I think 85 teams manage more than that last year. It's a very easy, very attainable goal. And they're averaging about 19.5 points this year on offense. It's so bad that the game against Northwestern this weekend... The over-under for that game is 29.5. It is the lowest ever given for a college football game. They don't even reckon both teams are capable of scoring 15 points. I mean, this very, very long time coming, Ryan. It's been one of the biggest disasters of offensive football in the last few years. It makes Matt Canada look like Andy Reid, really. It's, it's, it's time for this to happen. Yeah, it it was time many moons ago. Like I said, I even I even think like you say a change at head coach was still probably well of you. But problem is until they actually install and we'll see. I don't believe it. I, until I see it happen, I don't know if this head coach will get his son. Like I say he, a lot of reports saying are expected to move on or that the plan is to replace him. But until it's happened, I don't believe it. But it has to happen. Like you say, if they want to be a serious player in the Big Ten that is about to not just expand, but is about to like blow up, especially when that cushy division of theirs is about to be no more, they've got to get a little bit more funky, a little bit more fruity on offence and not 
rely on that uh that 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 dry Weetabix kind of like just stale brand flake offense. That's that their brand flakes, that's what their offense is. Like it's effective and it's good for digestion. Goes down easy but it's easy to stop, it's flimsy and it's not appealing on the eye. And yeah, they need complementary offense. Their defense is still most weeks electric and they're still in a position they're still in a great position to make a big ten title game. Despite their offense. In spite of like I say Cade it didn't look it didn't look great with Cade McNamara. He got hurt. Don't look any better with Daxon Hill. But it doesn't look any different. That's the problem. You've downgraded Master League quarterback, but it doesn't look different. It doesn't look worse. It looks just as bad. And that tells me it's not a player issue. It's never been a player issue. High end you in the NFL is Iowa. So the players have been there. They've had their personnel, but the offensive scheme, it's just not right. They've got to get the higher right. They've got to go external. Do not even bother promoting someone because nothing will change. No. But no, I, it's potentially very exciting, I actually think. Everyone has, I love Hawkeye football. I love the brand of Iowa. I like their football. Mm. If they can bring a little bit of spark of an offense that could attract a better kind of quarterback, well, could be cooking. They keep that defense, and then suddenly, when the uh, the East and the West merge in the Big Ten, maybe they won't get swallowed up. Yeah, exactly. And we've said for a couple of years now, all you need, all you need, is like a Maryland Purdue level offense, and you could win the Big Ten with that defense. It's elite. It's like flat out one of the best in the country. To even beat the teams like Michigan and Ohio State, you just need a average level offense, like or just slightly above average, like Maryland and Purdue have been recently. That's all you need. And you can win the lot. So it's it's overdue. It's time. That way where he says that over under, when you get to 29 and a half points and you're playing Northwestern, teams should expect to put that up on Northwestern themselves, let alone be part of an over under with them where it doesn't even reach it itself. 29 and a half. That's, ugh, it's bad. We thought it was bad against Minnesota. That was what, 31 and a half? And it's gone further down. So it's, yeah, there's no Probably coming back from this. Post in the comments, guys. Will they hit the over or the under? Do you think they'll get it? Um, do you think they'll do you think they'll pass twenty nine and a half? You know what I do. I think they'll reach the over because Northwestern, weirdly enough, have been better recently, and that's another one we're going to mention about in a minute because there's a coach in the Big Ten who I think is done after his season. But yeah, I, I think they'll reach it just. But yeah, anyone in the comments, do you think that twenty nine and a half will not be breached? You know, you probably probably got better odds not reaching it than you do getting it. So, but yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, he's going, or at least he should be. But I mean, Iowa can still win that division and still get to the title game. If they get to Michigan and give them a good game, then, like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Actually, you know what? They showed improvement. We're gonna we're gonna do better. You know, we go do better next year under him and yada yada yada. So I'm not crazy. Brent goes over, but close. Yeah, I think like 34. Yeah. One thing I will say is, I think it's a really attractive job. Oh god, yeah. I think we've been really successful in what they've done the last few years. Yeah. Their fan base is passionate. It's a football in state, like say the Hawkeyes. Like I think that's one of the most of all the vacancies you'll see in the Big Ten after this year. I've been offensive coordinator. You can have instant success. Yeah. 
you can easily use them as a stepping stone to a head job if you made that offense half decent. Yeah, and as a and as a base set, you've got a good offensive line in terms of when it comes to the running game. You've had Tyler Linderbaum come out there from there recently. You know, you've got some good quality guys. So just get some good playmakers in. Just diversify your sheet a little bit, and and, and you go in places. So I agree. I hope they get rid of him, and I hope they go outside the box and find someone worthy of it. There are lots of good. OCs at the group of five level at the moment who would deserve a job like that who they will probably do well with so you know plenty of guys in the FCS at top programs who probably come across you know and come and take an OC position like Washington State's own offensive coordinator and they flourished with him so uh, we'll see where, way where he goes I still like the under don't blame you Brent goes yes uh, yes Brent OC is the coach's son Kurt Ferentz is the head coach Brian is the OC so a lot of nepotism there to keep him in. Anyhow, let's move it on, because talking Iowa football, we'll lose all our listeners if we do that for too long. Um, Michigan connections for this one. I thought I had to mention this, right? but um, Biff Poggi, he is um, not just into life as a head coach very well, obviously long-term guy at Michigan, done a lot of good for the program there, done a lot of high school coaching, but this is his first job in the FBS with the 49ers. Um, suspended a bunch of players last week after the heavy loss for his Charlotte team against Florida Atlantic. It was a little bit of a face punch. It was one of the earlier games. Uh, they've not said how many players they've suspended. Um, they're suspended for this week. I think it's Tulsa that they're playing. But when talking about this afterwards... Um, this is what he said after that game. He goes, when we hurt ourselves, it's like watching sausage been made. It's just a horrifying experience. It's just football, for God's sakes. Just block and tackle people. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything else. Don't talk to anybody. I don't care what anybody says. You just do your damn job. Um, the 49ers, they are 2-6 and six on the season. They have a solitary win in the American, just the one, a 10-7 win over East Carolina who have been a little bit rubbish this year in the post Halton Aylers era there. Biff, he sounds like he's having a bit of a rough time with it, but I mean those comments, just just go out there and tackle, just go out there and block. It sounds like me when I'm playing football manager and just say, just go out there and score and go out there and defend because I don't have to do anything. It's It seems like he's struggling a little bit to make his mark with the 49ers. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's only asking them to do the basics. He obviously thinks that they're not going to do the basics properly. Do we know why they've been suspended? Um, so they gave up about 12 penalties for 126 yards. It's for indiscipline on the field. Basically, he's unhappy with how they've executed penalties, etc. like that. And he's taken a hard-line stance by suspending the players for a game. Um, I don't know about that. that. That's one way to lose the locker room, is that when you target, when you single out players... Yeah, and make them available. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think his days as a thorough head coach are numbered. I can see a revolt happening. That that's the kind of way you get a mutiny. Yeah, you can't just choose who you think let the side down and then come out and make make comments. It clearly aimed at them as well. Yeah, that that's not a good look. No, it's not, and it's like. You know, you commit a penalty. I guess if it's something stupid like... I mean, we saw a lot in the NFL this weekend, you know, guys stood over other guys, giving flexing and stuff like that. Maybe that sort of stuff, I could be like, that is boneheaded. But you'd think you'd give a warning or something first. You don't think you'd go straight in and suspend them for a game. It doesn't seem a healthy idea to run, so... 
it, yeah, um, I don't know. But anyhow, I just wanted to mention that because it's an odd situation. Biff is struggling with Charlotte. He's suspended a load of guys. We shall see what happens in the aftermath of that. His house is in the building, says go UCLA. I mean, well, what a weekend for them there. Defense harassed Shadur Sanders within an inch of his life. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Well, I, ha I guess I have, but they absolutely destroyed Colorado. We'll talk about that in the reviews in a moment. Um, but yeah, good win for them this weekend, Hatter's House. Um, other thing I just quickly wanted to mention, I mentioned, obviously, tomorrow is the first iteration of the college football playoff rankings. It is one of the most discussed things in college football on Twitter because everybody's got an opinion and someone's already wrongly left out. And this is already going to create a furore but the NCAA's website they've put up their predictions for what they think is going to be the top four tomorrow Ryan and I'll read you so this is one to four in order this is what they believe the rankings are going to look like tomorrow number one is Ohio State number two is Florida State number three is Washington and number four is Georgia not a mention of Michigan in sight what do you say to those for you know what do you say to that prediction there from them the guys in the know obviously so maybe a speck of truth to it but do you agree or would you like change that completely i'll swap michigan and ohio state i will put georgia at one i'll put michigan at two i'll put washington at three and ohio state at four so i'm not Overly mad about the fall. The position's a bit funny, but yeah, I. Oh, so you're kicking Florida State out. Yeah, Ohio State. They didn't impress me against Penn State. They, they, they squeaked past Wisconsin. Is that fair to say? Yeah, well, yeah, it squeaked. Was it? That's well, in the it survivor corner. That's in yeah. the. No, I can't have them in. No. So the rationale is obviously they've beaten Notre Dame and Penn State, who are quite highly ranked. But I'm with you. Michigan cannot be left out of this top four purely because, and people will say it's the schedule and, and I agree their schedule has been cheeks but they're also one of the only teams who has consistently That's dismantled weird. yes they have consistently dismantled everybody they've come up against. Even Georgia have struggled against the likes of Vandy Ohio State struggle most weeks. You know, Florida State have had a couple of close calls. If not for Riley Leonard's injury, they could have lost against Duke. You know, Michigan are the only team who've not really had a scare. So I would put I would put Michigan at one personally. I put Georgia at two. I put Washington at. Oh, I, I could interchange Washington and Florida State. I wouldn't have Ohio State, and I'd have them fifth. I would, but you know, I I don't think Ohio State should be ranked first. I just don't. They did not look... If Wisconsin had... Again, this is another thing. If Wisconsin had a Purdue-level offense, they'd have wiped the floor with Ohio State the other day because their defense played magnificently and was not backed up by whoever Tanner Mordecai's backup is over there. Um, but, yeah. Anyhow, we're talking a lot about the reviews here. Let's get into the reviews for this week. So, as always, um, we start off with couple of main games we're going to talk about then we're going to go into the upset corner we're going to go into the survivor corner and then we're going to talk about the pick watch games and i got a little bit different in the way i want to talk about the main games this week because a lot of the big ones we've talked about these teams a lot already there was one team or one game with two teams specifically i wanted to focus on this week and it was a very close game in the sun belt and as always if you get into the title 
of the show. You're always first talked about. We are the regal or the, the regal Royal Rumble this week. We, over in Britain, have an interest in this fixture because it's a new rivalry with all monarchy-based names in there. But, of course, we're talking about the Old Dominion Monarchs on the road against the James Madison Dukes, who have been taking the college football world by storm since they came up last year. Old Dominion were 20.5-point underdogs in this one on the road, you know, underdogs by over three scores. And this was a terrific game because I watched it. But just to go through it, in the first quarter, Old Dominion started off this game really well, picked off Jordan McLeod in the first minute, the strong safety Sean Asprey the second, um, picked it off at the Old Dominion 22, took it all the way to the JMU 35. They managed to drive all the way up to the James Madison 5, but ultimately had to settle for a field goal, so they went up 3-0 there. Old Dominion defence then makes a stop. Um, offence takes a big wedge of time off the clock on its second drive, but then they get turned over on downs. Got been very brave in the James Madison half, and James Madison made them pay. Jordan McLeod found wide receiver Reggie Brown with a 49-yard bomb to make it 7-3. It was a really good pass, and that was everything for the first Moving into the second quarter, the defence has started to come up, pulled off a few stops, but then James Madison put together a really good drive, ended up with a one-yard touchdown run from Jordan McLeod. It's 14-3 to the Dukes at this point. Old Dominion, fair play to them. They hit right back on a third and four from their own 42. The quarterback, Grant Wilson, connected with wide receiver Dominic Dutton on a 58-yard Touchdown pass, beautiful bit of airmail there from him. Monarchs closed the gap to 14-10, a couple of drives before the end of the half, but the defences managed to keep things in check. An old Dominion cornerback, Marcus Knight, he picked off McLeod right near the end of the half, so Jordan McLeod threw two picks in the first half of this one. Then in the third, this thing just sort of got crazy. It was a disaster start for Old Dominion. They returned the second half kickoff, only made their own five-yard line. Then they got hit with a delay of game, which took it back to their own two. And then Wilson got sacked for a safety by Jamri Cromer, um, who only played a few snaps in the game, but managed to get a safety from one of them. 16-10 there, and from the resulting safety kickoff back to James Madison, they marched right back down the field. McLeod found Elijah Sarrett from three yards. It's 23-10 with less than five minutes gone in the half, and you're kind of thinking the game's over for the Monarchs there. But on the very next drive, Old Dominion, they hit right back. There was a balanced helping of run and pass, Wilson finishes it off, a 10-yard touchdown pass to Javon Harvey, makes it 23-17. James Madison, though, next drive, they hit right back, four-minute drive. McLeod finds Reggie Brown for his second touchdown of the game from 21 yards out, and it's a two-score game again. And again, you're thinking, hmm, Old Dominion are out of this one. But not for long. Literally one minute, 50 seconds later, Old Dominion hit back, and it's such a great drive because they ran it down the throat pretty much all the way down the pitch of James Madison. And this is the second highest graded run defense in the nation for the Dukes. You had Keyshawn Wicks, who had a run for 36. You had Kadarius Callaway, who got 13. And then he busts out a 21-yard touchdown run. Ends a frenetic third quarter of scoring. It's 30-24 to 24 at this point. 
to James Madison, who don't score a single point for the rest of the game. Old Dominion put together another great drive at the start of the fourth quarter, get all the way down to the James Madison four, but then that vaunted run defense comes to life. They repel him on first and second down, pass on third down. The guy, he gets it in the end zone, the Old Dominion receiver. He is out by like two inches. They are so close to getting the touchdown they need to go ahead. It's called back because it is out of play. They have to settle for a field goal. It's 30 to 27 with 10 minutes to go. Old Dominion get them off the field in a minute, but then James Madison returned the favor. They get them off in a minute. Old Dominion's next drive, they're turned over on downs at midway, but the defense, it makes one final stop, gives them 30 seconds to try and rescue something from the game. They're at their own six, but they can only make it to the 22 as time expires and it finishes James Madison 30, Old Dominion 27. And and why this game sort of to pick off, but Ryan, we talked about Old Dominion in the Sunbelt previews starting this season and they lost all their talent going into this season. Ricky Ron has had nothing to work with. It's a hell of a hard school to recruit to. He's been doing the high school recruiting instead and on the road against James Madison, favoured, well, you know, underdogs by more than four scores. They put up one hell of a fight in this game. And they look like they're morphing under Ricky Ron into something potentially really special in the Sun Belt down the line. Yeah, I thought the over on Dice here was way too it was it was excessive. Felt a little bit disrespectful to the monarchs that that, that start line before the game. And yeah, it's a really hard school to get anyone to come out of the portal to join. It's not known for its football. It doesn't get good airtime. It's not a great path to the pros, unfortunately. It's it's one of those where you kind of grind and use a step stone to the next level. So he's got to try, say, get commits to recruits in the area, in the state. He's probably trying to get the, the, the no stars, the one stars, the two stars, like the guys that just don't get many offers, give them a chance to play football. But... He's done a stellar job. Like you say, this game kind of showed where they are at the moment right now. They're able to hang with the big boys. They don't yet have the experience and that that little bit of uh, know-how to see out the job. But for three and a half quarters, yeah, they, they were very much on the coattails if they weren't in the lead. And in the end, James Madison just showed that they were able to lean on that defence a little bit more than ODU could and get the job done when it really mattered. But a cracker of a game, back and forth, momentum swapping constantly. And yeah, it, I think he should get a little bit of recognition of like one of the coach of, coaches of the year, depending on what happens between now and the end of the season, because the Monarchs are very much in that mix in the Sun Belt for not this year, but for next year. The foundations look to be laid or getting laid for a potential future strong organisation in the G5. So... Yeah, very plucky, great effort, almost caused a huge scalp. Like I said, I think GMU will have been quite relieved to just get out there with the victory. Not the best performance by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of the credit does go to the Monarchs for making life very difficult for them. Yeah, and I you know, I thought there'd be a snowy day in Arizona before we talked about Old Dominion in like a main segment of this, but just to put what the Monarchs have done this year into comparison so they've got more they're four and four this year they are three and two 
in the Sun Belt. So they got more regular season wins and more Sun Belt wins than they had last year already. They ranked 106th in total offense and 118th in total defense last year. This year, on offense, they're up 25 spots to 81st. And on defense, they're up 43 spots to 75th. So, again, it's not... You know, he's been building this new high school, as we've mentioned. It's a long process rather than just quickly shuffling through the portal. But, you know, they've got... And, and they're in a share for second place in the Sun Belt East now. So, obviously, James Madison are running away with that conference. They're unbeaten. But in second, there's a four-way tie on three games now. You've got Georgia Southern, a 3-1. and one. Then you've got Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, and Old Dominion, who are all 3-2. and two. And they're at home to Coastal Cal this week. I mean... With a progress we're like this, right, going up 30, 40 spots, offense, defense, in tandem as one, it may not seem great being in the 80s and 70s, but for them, it's it's huge progress and shows they are moving in the right direction forward. Yeah, they've gone from a bottom feeder, essentially, to average. And that that's no sly on them. That is that is massive improvement. Like yeah. I say, right now, they are, they're competitive. Like I say, they're holding their own inside Sunbelt and I think that's where they're probably aiming to be I think if you'd offer them this position right now with like say three four weeks to go they'd probably bite your hand off and going into Coastal Cal they won't fear them they'll have no reason to fear Coastal Cal they, 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 they'll like their chances to win that I, I I don't see why there's any reason they couldn't and yeah it, there's still a chance to make a late run if two if teams start to trip each other up and they pick these uh, these important wins up, then they could very well be in a position to maybe make a last last week sneak in. So yeah, it, there's a lot of football to play, and uh, if anyone decides to overlook them after this weekend, then they they'll probably be pretty foolish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, this is. A game of two teams. Obviously, Old Dominion are the plucky, smaller team at the moment who are doing really well, heading in the right direction. Big opportunity for them this weekend here. But you've got to talk about James Madison. And we, we have a little, but we've never really spotlighted them here. But, I mean, what a job Kurt Signetti is doing there with the Dukes. They're just up from the FCS just as of last year. Had a really good season last year. They're unbeaten to this point. They're at 8-0 and now this, or at the 8-0 and this year. And, you know, they he loses... So he's a long-time quarterbacks coach, right? And you can see how good he is at this point because you lose Todd Senteo, the quarterback, last year. He's the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year and a bunch of other awards he got as well. He was everything about the offense. And when we did the preview on them coming into this year, it's like that's one of the big question marks. What are they going to do at quarterback? And he takes Jordan McLeod from Arizona, who has not played much football, like, at all. He had a couple of seasons at South Florida... Um, in 2019 and 2020, didn't really play at Arizona last year, and he didn't really play that well either. And then he brings him into this James Madison system, and he's throwing at 65.5% completion this year. He's got 2,036 yards, 18 touchdowns, just six picks. And he's turned a guy who, you know, has gone from not doing a great deal, and it's like Todd Senteo never left the job he's done in two years in the fbs is 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 incredibly commendable and he has to be another surely who's up for coach of the year gong if they carry on and if they go undefeated he's he's surely got to be in that convo yeah if you if they if they if they win 11 or 12 games then yeah he will 
he will be the front runner of Group of Five for Coach of the Year. I think it goes without saying. And I think what he's done is just create such a quarterback friendly scheme that he can literally, like, say, go get a guy. With no disrespect to John McLeod, he got a guy off the street. Like you say, coming off a power five, it was on a power five roster, but never really saw the field at the Wildcats and was looking for a chance to play and to just try get some game film, get some time. And surprisingly, it's gone far better than anyone could have actually imagined. Like I said, John is lighting up and it looks like they've not even missed a beat since Todd left. So, yeah, uh, QB guys, I suppose you just have a knack for that. They create a scheme where you can kind of go out there and plug a person in. Like, say, like Tennessee tried to do, like teams like that. And, yeah, he, he certainly is building a sort of repertoire as a, a future Power 5 head coach or a Power 5 QB coach or offensive coordinator. That kind of that kind of path does seem to be laying it itself out in front of him. I was surprised. You worry that this team is going to per- peak too soon? Like you say, because they're currently not eligible to win in anything, playing anything. But I'm not actually worried about that. Like you say, two fantastic years. I don't think they'll run out of steam. They might slow down a little bit when they, they can kind of win some it. But yeah, what they're building is uh, it looks sustainable. It looks like it's a, it's it's dangerous. A lot of teams are worried about them, and they're single-handedly trying to make a case to change the rules in future about eligibility. I suppose. They do have a lot of people complaining that it's not fair. So I've heard more about this this week, and apparently they they might lax the rules to let them go into a bowl game. I believe, I think, the Armed Forces Bowl was mentioned, which is one of the bigger bowl games. So they might get a decent you know, bowl at the end of the year. So I, I kind of hope they do. But I guess in James Madison's case now, is it a case of they've got to worry about Signetti being poached? Because, I mean, this isn't a fluke anymore. You have one good year when you come up, but to sustain it and to carry on doing well, I mean, someone might go after There are a lot of Power 5 programs in need of a good head coach who has been successful, and he's had wild success there now at the FCS, and he's translated it up to the FBS now. I suppose it comes down to what does he want from football, what does he want from life. Money, I don't think will entice him. I don't think he's money-driven. I say, will the 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 school, will the athletic AD, can they keep hold of him? I say, will someone come in and make a massive offer to maybe buy out a contract and just say, we can't afford to turn it down? I say, we we we, we need you to move on. If given the opportunity, I think he'll try to see out what he's done. He's gonna have at least, you've got to have at least one crack, haven't you, of next yeah. year trying to win the Sun Belt. And if he if he falls short or if he if he does succeed, then yeah, I think you move on, like you say. But yeah, I can't see him leaving before he's able to maximise what's available to him just yet. Unless the, a dream offer comes in. Yeah, yeah, I, I agreed. I, I think he might stay there a little longer, but certainly it's a name to keep an eye on. But yeah, this was just a tremendous game and I really wanted to talk about it this week. So that is why it has gone in there. Right, the other main game I wanted to mention, and I'm going to try again. Six times I've shone the spotlight on a team and six times they have lost. UNLV were the latest to do it to me after last week. But I think it is time now where I, there is a quarterback we've been silently loving this year. Well, maybe not so silently loving. We mention him pretty much every week. But they went out and got a really big win 
this weekend on the road and you're now maybe thinking, oh, it's maybe not sort of a fairy tale thing, but it is actually maybe something that's a little more legitimate. And of course, this time I want to talk about the Iowa State Cyclones. I mean, who would have thunk it? At the start of this season, this was the team that got humiliated by Ohio from the MAC, and you're thinking Campbell's time's limited, their offense is just as bad as their counterparts at Iowa, it's just not working, and then all of a sudden, you'd have the emergence of a quarterback, and what a quarterback can do for a college football team, and how he can turn it round, and of course, we're talking about Rocco Bett, like one of the, he's one of the guys really to watch who's breaking out onto the scene here, and they went to Baylor this weekend, and they absolutely twonked them 30-18 to 18 on the road. I am now, going forward, going to refer to him as the Bectacle Spectacle. He is the guy you come to watch when the Cyclones come to town. And this team, Ryan, from that humiliating loss to Ohio, it's now fighting for a lead in the Big 12. It's fighting for a share of the lead with the big loss that we'll talk about in a moment, the big upset of the week. This Cyclones team from nowhere have turned this round and it's on a quarterback who's starting for the very first time. He is at the season 60% passing, which is pretty decent, 1,702 yards, 13 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. But to put it into context, he threw 5 of those picks in his first five games. Two of them were multi-game, multi-pick games. Since then, in the last three, he's thrown one this weekend away at Baylor. He had clean games against TCU and Cincinnati through for 240 yards this weekend. He looks legit, Ryan, and this Iowa State team, from looking like nothing, is all of a sudden looking like a challenger for the Big 12. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like They have gone under the radar no one's talking about them no one's giving them any interest no one's paying any attention to them i think that's how they want it to stay but unfortunately that's not how college football works because we're talking about them that means other people are starting to talk about them and that's not what they want i said they wanted to just go into like a stealth bomber like i said just 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 suddenly appear in the title game but yeah rocco like say first four games of the season struggled, looked like the redshirt freshman, looked, looked like a guy that was not ready, lacked confidence, bit much too soon, through terrible interceptions, and like I say, their offence and their defence was not gelling, and they, they were struggling. But since then, like I said, the last four weeks, he's turned a corner pretty rapidly as well. Like I say, he's holding on the ball, he's not making rash decisions, he's getting through his progressions, he is uh, throwing the ball away, taking less sacks, got better pocket poise. The defense has always been good. I've actually had a defense all year. And yeah, they're, they're finally playing good, smart football. And this is what Matt Campbell, like I say, had that, like, that little bit of NFL hype about. Good head coach. I like how the way the team is run. I like how it runs an offense. I like how it runs a defense. And what has emerged is the darkest of horses for the Big 12 because teams are slipping up and when teams slip up teams then suddenly find themselves in position to make the unlikeliest of late runs and that's where the Cyclones now see themselves 
And after losing Xavier Hutchinson and Brock Purdy, I can't believe they believe that that's even happening. I said, this late in the season to be so relevant in the Big 12 is is a godsend. Because yeah. they, they, they did not look like they'd be anywhere at this point in the start of the season. Yeah, Rocco, I'm pretty sure his parents got a lot of games. I've seen the photos, the crowd. Like I say, he's, he's doing really well. And to take over from Brock Purdy, like, one of the best quarterbacks of Iowa State all time, maybe like that is the biggest of shoes to fill. And yeah. that is not easy. And there's a lot of pressure on him. And yeah, he's he's handling it really well. And do you think they'll win it this year? No. The Big 12 is going to expand and get a lot more difficult next year. But yeah. But will they be in a much better position next year? Will he have seen there? Will he have done it? Will he have worn the t shirt and be ready to go week one? Definitely. I've seen lots of flashes and lots of things I like from him right now. Year two, or his, his his year two starting as a starter, you could see really big stuff from the kid next year. Like I say, with just that that one year of experience in his belt, it's it's remarkable what that can do for confidence. Yeah, exactly. And you know, this team they came out. It was to start the game. It was a four year. It was a four play, fifty five yard drive in ninety seconds. Touchdown. That's like the sign of a... And they're confident in him. They let him air it out at the start of the game. He goes straight down, straight up. They're 17-0 up before the half. They absolutely put put away this Baylor team. And I, I don't know what this Baylor team is right now. Like, one week we're talking about it and it's really good. And one week we're talking about it and it's really bad. And But to go on the road, for a big win like that as a redshirt freshman, is a huge result for them. And and they're, thick, they're in the thick of it now. The Big 12, as it stands, you have five teams... Who are sporting a four and four and one record? You've got Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, who have also come from nowhere, Kansas State, and Iowa State, all at four and one. And and the great thing is now, right? If if they want to go and win this, when you've got five teams tying, you, you can afford to lose a game or two, and and you can still sneak into that title game. Yeah, they're in that kind of that rare position where, as you said, people around them. Are losing games and that gives you a little bit of a cushion you can afford the odd slip up and still not lose any ground and when you start taking wins and losses off each other suddenly you'll find yourself in the next week or two that those five teams become three teams then a week later three teams become two teams and then it goes down to last weekend it's two teams vying for one place they will start to fall away very quickly and you just want your name to be in the hat that final week so yeah there's a lot of draftable talent on this Iowa State team uh, and I think I think they are the underdog they're, they're one of the power five teams to watch yeah because I don't trust some of the other teams in the Big 12 as far as I can throw them no absolutely not and I mean honestly we, we really like this guy at quarterback if you want to watch him this weekend they're at home against Kansas now they are the seventh team who are going to try and break my curse of inflicting losses on there but that's a huge game it'll be a prime time game it'll be available to watch go check him out and hopefully he has a good game on the day because that Kansas defense is nasty so it's going to be a really big test for him but very quickly on the flip side and, and I was looking through this and Dave Aranda at Baylor he now seems to be one of the names most frequently associated with the hot seat to get the boot because unbelievably still at week nine in the season Apart from Tucker and Fitzgerald, who've been fired for misconduct, 
Still nobody has fired a head coach, then, which is incredible, because this time last year we'd had loads. But Aranda seems to be one of the names who's now doing the rounds. He's only two years removed from a Big 12 title, but things have nosedived very quickly, and they they just look identityless at the minute. They, they don't look like they have an identity. Shappen's hit and miss. The team's hit and miss. They're going nowhere. I mean, do you really believe he's in danger right now, or do you think he will be given a little bit more time to sort it? I think he's got this year, and then it's over. Like, if he don't win, pick up a few wins for now and end it season, he's a goner. That Big 12 title is gone out of most people's memory. The two years, like I say, these two years, they've been bad. They've been really bad, actually. They have gone from top of the world to not even competitive. They have just fallen off a cliff. And as you mentioned, it starts with quarterback player for the last two years. It's been terrible. Like, whether he's not brought the guy, right guys in, he's not putting them in situations to win. He's having to play multiple guys to get through games. What's felt like the last two years, and it's just not going right. And Baylor was always built on his defence for me. And like I say, who went to the draft? It was Jalen Petra, the other linebacker. Like I say, like they had key players that they lost. And did he replace them? No, he did not. Like I say, they had some absolute stellar talent in that title-winning side. And yeah, he has struggled to fill the holes. And I just think the leash is just too short. The Big 12 is just about to come even harder, even worse for him. And I feel like his days are numbered. You run the contract down for another couple of games, half of the next season, try to get the cheapest out you can and potentially move on because I, I just don't think he's ever going to get this team back to those lofty heights again. I just don't think he's the man for it. No. No, I, I think he's in trouble as well. They, they've just not looked good. And, and you know Stive so quick. And you've got Colorado, you've got Arizona State, you've got all these teams coming to the Big 12 now. It's going to be like a lot of teams in the Big 10. You could very, find, very soon find yourself lost even in the midst of the division you're still well down because there's that many teams now and you've got to be a bit ruthless when it comes to this so I reckon he's in trouble but yeah well done to Rocco Beckton Iowa State honestly go give them a check out this weekend against Kansas and you know well fought for the Monarchs there as well in their game against James Madison right let's move into the upset corner and the upset corner has a lot of teams in it this week and we're going to stay right in the Big 12 because the biggest upset of the weekend occurred and it was of course Oklahoma ranked number six and I, I was quite proud of this because when we were doing our predictions last week for the pit watch I picked Kansas to win this I think I was the only team who did but my exact words at the end of the prediction were Kansas are going to do to Oklahoma what Oklahoma did to Texas when they beat them and of course what Oklahoma did to Texas when they beat them is they scored a touchdown right at the end of the game to go ahead and not give Texas enough time to be able to respond Texas try as they might were not able to get in the end zone and what happened in this I mean it was beautiful 40 55 seconds to go in this fourth and uh, sorry there was um, a fourth and sixth at the Oklahoma 46 Kansas looked like they were about to lose the game Jason Bean finds Lawrence Arnold for 37 yards gets it all the way down to the Oklahoma nine 
And then from there, with 55 seconds left, Devin Neal, nine-yard run for a touchdown. They tried a two-point conversion and failed it to try and get a touchdowns lead, but 55 seconds left, no timeouts for Oklahoma. They got all the way down to the Kansas 23, uh, but Dylan Gabriel unable to find Austin Stogner in the end zone to win the game on the write-off. And exactly, Ryan what Oklahoma did to Texas. Oklahoma then falled on the same sword against Kansas, who, again, another one of these, Lance Leopold. I know they've you know had a couple of games they've lost this year, which you're thinking, God, you've got to win it. But we lose sight of how far they've come in such a short amount of time. And for them to knock away the Sooners, who've looked really good this year, it was a terrific game and a really special result for them, which they did when it looked like they were out of it. Yeah. I knew they could win. I just already picked them for an upset this year before, and it fell short. So I just thought they burnt a bridge in Mecca. I knew they were capable of it because how many quarterbacks, or how many teams in the country can boast to have two quarterbacks that are basically starter level and start nearly every team in the, the Big 12? I say, John Daniels, and I say, Max Bean can start on most Big 12 teams. They're basically both starter quality and they're basically interchangeable. And they're one of the gamest teams in the nation. I think Leans Leopold has won. I think he got Power 5 Head Coach of the Week this year. So he's got the got the individual award. And yeah, it's felt like this is coming a while for Oklahoma, like say, getting into too many shootouts, too many territories where they're uh, getting the ball back and needing to score to win. And Dylan Gabriel can only do so much. He can only take so much on his plate where enough is enough. And even he can't get the job done on his own. And this felt like that week where like, he needed a little bit of help just from once for his defence, and it didn't come. Like I said, every time he responded, Kansas would go down the field and they would respond fairly comfortably, and he'd be left to try and go respond himself. So the lack of defensive football is finally caught up with the Sooners. Yeah. And I'm not it was the very plucky Jayhawks whose offence has become quite comfortable scoring 35 points every week now uh, they make it look pr- pretty easy whenever they wish to do it yeah and it, and the even more sickening thing for Oklahoma is we've we've become associated for them being a passing team a lot of the time but I mean Dylan he had a good game he was 14 of 18 for 171 yards I think it was so they didn't ask a lot of him no touchdowns no interceptions um but the run the running game they got how many they got nearly 300 yards on the ground 290 yards on the ground against Kansas you think oh they're going to be able to kill the clock with that you know Dylan's doing what he needs to do with them they're putting up points I mean, they got Dylan. Dylan Gabriel had three rushing touchdowns. He had seventy-nine yards on thirteen carries, so he did a lot there as well. Tway Walker had one hundred and forty-six yards and a touchdown. It was, it was just such a beautifully balanced offense. But again, like you say, it just gets let down by the defense, which has been their problem over the years. Same with Kansas; they did it a little bit better. Jason Bean. I mean, he didn't have his best day. Fifteen of thirty-two, two hundred and eighteen yards, a couple of picks. But again. Kept the chains moving when he needed to. He had 62 yards on just four carries and a rushing touchdown himself. Devin Neal, big game, 120 yards. Daniel Hinshaw, 75 yards, two touchdowns. A lot of this was just good old-fashioned ground and pound, slugging it out against one another. But 
Kansas, like you said, just the more clutch defense when they needed to be and scored when they needed to. And you know, this again, Kansas, another team. I think they sat at three and two right behind that big group of four and one teams in the Big Twelve. But if they just have a bit of consistency, right, they can find themselves in the championship game as well. And you're on the road at Iowa State this week. That's a chance to beat one of those teams in front of you. It's it's not over for them yet. No. The Big 12 feels like the most unpredictable right now. There is, there's no front runner. No. Like, there is no one out. There is no standout team. That means that no playoff team can come from the Big 12. But on the flip side, it also means that literally, like I said, everybody's still got a chance. Like I said... If if Kansas get the job done against Iowa State, they thrust themselves back into contention. And uh, yeah, I think that it's got, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Actually, I expect there to be a lot of offense played. Yeah. As soon as I see, it's a slip up. It's not. It might not have actually that much impact on the season as long as they don't let it snowball. If they respond again this week, back and just 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 forget it. Game's gone. I think they can still overcome this. But it's certainly thrown the cat among the pigeons. You, you just felt like you had it in them. We've not really talked about them as frauds because I don't think they are. I think they're just a good team, but they're not elite. And, you know, you were expecting them to lose one. Uh, but, yeah, it's wide open now. Big 12, wide open, very competitive. Really looking forward to how that ends because it's probably going to go down to the last week to decide who the top two are going to be but yeah upset there massive one number six Oklahoma downed by the unranked Kansas Jayhawks and they were not alone this week other ranked teams going down as well next up on the agenda number 11 Oregon State on the road against the Arizona Wildcats who kind of disappointed at the start of this season but they seem to be picking up where they left off last year after their sort of new resurgence. Oregon State 24, Arizona 27, Ryan. And, you know, we talk about quarterbacks who are coming in and making an impact last year. Obviously, for Arizona, they had Jaden DeLaura, who just broke out and looked amazing, but he's not playing at the moment, I'm assuming, through injury. And this is another guy we mention every week, Noah Fafita, 25 of 32, 275 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick on the day. And this is, you know, it's a nasty Oregon State defense. It's really good. I mean, they know they've slipped up a bit recently, but that's kind of like the offense has not been doing its job right. But the Coyote, um, the Wildcats, I keep wanting to call them the Coyotes. The Wildcats seem to have rediscovered last year's form now, and they're doing it with a completely different quarterback, which for a team who never had a quarterback for years... They've, they've now landed on two in two years as well. Yeah, they're a perennial, perennial disrespected team, the Wildcats, because you go back five, three, four, five years ago, and they were terrible. They were a pound five bottom feeder, and every one of their best players every year got snapped up, and they would just get taken by the other, the better sides. But they have very slowly clawed their way up from the depths, turned a corner caused some big upsets, got some great players out of the portal and resembled a very good, fully functioning team. And yeah, they really did catch Oregon State cold here. That's quite the upset for a, a Beavers team that had pretty lofty aspirations, which I think kind of just ended. They really did halt them 
in any progress they've made, especially pushing as a dark horse. But yeah, I say Jen Delara, really good last year, this year, not playing, not really heard why, but bringing a freshman, like I say, a, a, a totally basically novice, thrown into an offense that has been pretty good last year or so. And he's commanding it like he's uh, he's been there five, six years. Looks very good, very composed, playing no pressure, high powered football. And yeah, this, this week it was too much for the Beavers. Like I say, we've had a, a really good defense most of the year as well. Like I say, it's not just their offense under Oungalele, their defense has really done well in all games too. And this is one of those games where I think it just shows that especially in the Pac-12, you, you just don't rule out the teams like Arizona, ASU and Stanford. They, they look to be weak. And everyone, frankly, does like, they bash on them weakly. But then they come out and sometimes they will, uh, they'll kick you in the teeth, especially if you don't show them a little bit of respect. They, they have that capability every week. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, again, it, you can't really pick much fault with Oregon State in the, you know, DJ, you had a clean game, 218 yards, two touchdowns for him. He's He's been he's been fine. He's done really well in absentum there. But, you know, just closing out these close games that they've been in, it's just been such a problem for them. And they were up early, then they got behind. They weren't able to get their way back in. Had to try the onside kick at the end, which... Very few college teams seem to be able to do a good onside kick. I don't don't know if it's a thing there, but they, they very rarely get recovered. But for Arizona, I mean, obviously the Pac-12 is out the way for them because there's just so many good teams in there and it, it's just absolutely stacked. But, you know, you, they would be hoping they can still have a decent season. They're, what, they're at 3-2. and two. I mean, they've got the same record as Utah, UCLA and Oregon State now, so... And Washington, USC, and Oregon have to play one another. So, I mean, God, stranger things have happened. You hit form now with all these big teams taking chunks out of one another. Who knows? But it's a great start for them. So they knocked off Oregon State there. And then the other ranked team to go down this week as well. And and I was talking about teams whose seasons are dead and lying in the dust at the moment. They suffered their first defeat last week. And they've now done two in a row, right? But UNC... On the road against Georgia Tech, I watched this entire game. It was tremendous from a high-scoring, exciting offense point of view. Absolutely love watching this. But UNC on the road, 42, Georgia Tech, 46. And, you know, this Georgia Tech team has been... It's been all right this year. It's, you know, had some decent results, but it's not one of their... It, I don't know. I could be doing them a disservice. They're at, what, 3-2 and two on the year. They're fifth in the ACC rankings at the moment, but they're not truly special. And Ryan, again, it's UNC. Drake May looks really good. You know, he is playing some of his best football. 17 of 25, 310 yards and two touchdowns on the day for him. And Marion Hampton is an absolute stud. Another 150 yards for him. Two touchdowns for him as well. May had a rushing touchdown. British Brooks had a rushing touchdown. Great for them, but it's their defense. Year after year after year, like Lincoln Riley and USC, they just don't seem to be able to do anything on the defensive side of the ball. Haynes King for Georgia Tech, who me and you both know well from his A&M days, is not a proper stud at quarterback. 
23 of 30, 287 yards, four touchdowns, just one pick on the day. They allowed Dante Smith to rush for 178 yards and a touchdown. Haynes King got 90 yards on just eight carries. Jamal Hines got 80 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown. They allowed 350 yards on the ground. 287 through the air, 637 total offensive yards for Georgia Tech, whilst UNC mustered up 580. So, I mean, about 1,200 yards of offense on the day, but you cannot be giving up 640 yards of offense to Georgia Tech and expect to be taken seriously by the playoff committee or by anybody for that matter. Unfortunately, old old habits die hard. Sam Howell had this issue for, what, three years? Defence didn't do anything. Had to score 40, 35 points every week. He still did it. He still dragged that defence kicking and screaming. Week on his back, week in, week out. Nobs changed. Drake May still inherited all the problems that sounded. A team that is very lopsided. That is all offensively dribbling and is expected to score as many points as it can to give a defence as big as cushion it can. And it's called for them, hasn't it? Back to back weeks now, unfortunately. Their playoff hopes are over. Their ACC hopes are kind of, well, they're sinking. It's time to, to run for the lifeboats. They're, they're, they're in trouble. And yeah, with no disrespect Haynes King, they didn't lose to a good opponent. Georgia Tech, are a team that are in flux. They're trying to improve their offense, uh, try to improve their style and brand of football. They're in experimenting with things. Like I said, they've had some good results this year, but they're not a complete football team. And that they decimated that UNC defense. They they took it to the cleaners, yeah. and they, they they scored at will. And the yardage they're able to rack up is ridiculous. And the Tar Heels. I just don't know where they go from here or where they, how they fix this. It's been like this from what I've seen for the last three and a half years now. Yeah, they were they were 21-7 up in this game. They were 35-24 up in this game. Like Georgia Tech are not usually a team built to come from behind. It just felt like every single time they chucked the ball, you know, something happened. They rushed the ball. It's you can't I know that they're traditionally a running team, but three hundred and fifty yards on the ground, it's like <laughs> You cannot get gashed for that much. And I was thinking about this when I was watching the game, and you're like, you're right. They have amazing offenses every season. They have produced some amazing skill players. Like some of my favorite players in the NFL have come from this UNC team. And I'm still a big fan of Sam Howell. I think he got let down a lot. And he's getting let down at Washington as well. I think if he was on a competent team, he'd be a great player. But does there not have to come a time? This is Matt Brown's second spell here when you have to say, enough is enough. You can play all this pretty offensive football. You can get us lots of wins, but you are not changing the one thing which is holding us back from being a premier college team, the defense. You can't sort it. It's constantly bad. I mean, if I'm UNC now, I'm seriously considering sacking him off. I mean, is that harsh? Would you agree? I think after so long, you're in four years in now. You've not changed a damn thing. Summit's got to change because that ACC will be wide open for them otherwise. Is it the head coach? Is it is he calling plays? Is it is it how he manages his defensive coordinator? Does he interfere? Does he not let the defensive coordinator do his job? Does he have too much of a say in how the defence is run? 
And if you get a yes from most of those answers, then yeah, you get rid of Matt Brown. I say legend will always be remembered for what he's done, but something isn't right. Something year after year continues to hold this team back while other teams make progress. And they've got to see it out of the problem quickly before they lose ground. They're about to lose Drake May. Sam Howell's gone. Are they going to hit on three quarterbacks in a row? I don't know. It could be very unlikely. And if, if that, that, that well runs dry of high explosive offense, what are they going to be left with? Not a lot. So they've got probably one off season to fix this, 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 this lopsided team and that very leaky, porous defense. Or they could find themselves quickly struggling and trying to just claw wins every week. I think you look no further than Clemson. Look, look what's happened since Trevor Lawrence has left. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not blaming DJU for his thing there, but you, you can see what happens when the quarterback situation destabilizes. You soon go backwards. And like you said, you wasted two prime quarterbacks now on a defense that just will not do its job properly. I have the same issue with Lincoln Riley, and we will mention him very shortly. Um, but yeah, you've got to change it. You can't just do this year after year. Definition of insanity. It looks great, seems great, but then the defense is just torrid. 640 yards against Georgia Tech is not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, UNC go down as well. And the upsets don't end there. And, you know, we're talking about coaches on the hot seat, Ryan. There was a huge upset in the Big Ten this week. And doesn't it seem a very long time ago since... Maryland were undefeated and we were holding out some hope that they might be able to beat Ohio State this year and we're thinking could they be the ones or in fact no probably that's unfair I did I think you always probably recognize them for the fraudulent team that they were but they have not won a game since then and their most recent out in this week they were 14 point road favorites against Northwestern and there is absolutely you know we have documented Northwestern's problems on here and everyone knows how bad they are how bad their situation is and they're just they're not really playing well this year they do have a win under their belt or they did before this one but they're not looking great Maryland come to town 14 point favorites what happens they lose 33 to 27 against Northwestern and You've got to figure now, Mike Loxley has to be in bother, surely. He has made Maryland a very respectable Big Ten team. There is no doubting that they are a team that no one really wants to face because on their day, that offense can beat you and they could be a big banana skin on the road. But eventually, that's no longer enough to be just a solid team. You want to see advances going forward. You see teams like... Purdue and Iowa and Wisconsin and teams like that who've made Big Ten championship games. Yes, in a GT conference, but you see these teams making progress and going forward. It just feels now like it's going backwards. You had a massive opportunity against a terrible Ohio State team this year. You blew it when you should have really won it and you had a chance to win it. And now you're just losing loss after loss after loss and then you get blown out by one of the worst Northwestern teams in forever he's got to be on a hot seat now, surely. Yeah, they're, they're the definition of mediocre, like you say. 
what was it? Were they five and zero or six and zero going to Ohio State? They were five and zero. I think they? they were five and zero going to Ohio State. They were ranked State. like what, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty in the nation. You think, like I said, they were like, yeah, they were like zero and nine against Ohio State. Like they, they were totally winless. But you did look at this team and think, if they were ever going to have a shot to get rid of that donut and put a one, it's this team right now. Like I said, Talia playing really, really well. Defense for once actually playing well. What do they do? They go in, fail to to the the point, they uh, they fail to deliver, they sink to Ohio State again. Okay, fine to be expected. How do they respond to that? They look like crap. Back to back losses. Season derailed. And when yeah, it it's pretty fair to can make direct comparisons, like I say, to Minnesota, Iowa. Wisconsin Rutgers, yeah, Rutgers are outperforming them in nearly most aspects and look like a proper dark horse of the Big Ten. Why is that not Maryland? Why can it never be Maryland? What is it that they do to themselves to hold them back and shoot themselves in the foot year in year out and just never look competitive? They never look like the team that is going to cause problems. And this season now. Probably ends in a bowl game, but ultimately will only be remembered as being a big fat failure. Because from five and zero, they shit the bed, and that that that's the only way I'll ever look at this now. No matter what the record ends, that I just can't pass them. And if their head coach, if he can't be the one that can take this team and bridge that gap to the Iowa's and the Wisconsin's, then yeah, maybe it's time to look elsewhere. Maybe it's time to stop playing just all-out air raid football because, yeah, it only gets you so far, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe it's to go with a more pro-style offense instead yeah. of just trying to run for 500 yards every week. It's, it's Paulie it won't be around much longer. He's got, like, I'd say 50-60% of what Tua has. And he's mm. still a good quarterback, but ultimately his time at Maryland will be forgotten. It will feel like a wasted energy and yeah, I think it's time for the Terps to look at a, look at a change. They're treading water, and it's become it's too long. No, the Terps are the anti-Iowa. Like they are the offensive version of Iowa. In that Towler and that offense is good enough to win a Big Ten championship, but the defense has just never ever stuck with it and you know just look at this game for example I mean they put up the fancy stats the defense does they had a 14% havoc rate they had eight tackles for loss five sacks on the day they really hurried Brendan Sullivan the Northwestern quarterback and put him in but then you let Northwestern drop 33 points on you they only have 380 yards of offense I say only but they're very methodical with what they had Maryland two turnovers, Nebraska no turnover. This is Nebraska. Uh, this is Northwestern, like one of the most ill-disciplined, you know, out of shape organizations in terms of the coaches. Everything there is in disarray. Clean game. Maryland turnovers accounted for seven points in this one, and they lost by six points. So you know, turnovers play a role in there as well. It's I don't. Know, I feel like it's coaching. I think he. I think he needs to go at the end of this year, Rad. Do you think it needs to be now? Because it just seems like it's they're going stagnant. And when Towley is gone, they're in a lot of bother. Yeah, because I 
Like I say, he's not the best quarterback in the nation, but banking on the fact you'll be able to find a quarterback that does what he does, if you're going to ask him to do the same thing, well, that's a gamble. Yeah. Like I say, not playing many shreds of defence. <laughs> the Big Ten. When I think of Big Ten football, I think of defence. It's a defensive conference. Like I say, Michigan, Iowa, to an extent, or Penn State, yeah. to an extent, Ohio State. Defense is what wins a lot of games and gives the opportunity and the ball back to the offensive short field. They put up big numbers, but that's because their defenses usually hold teams to such a little. Like yeah. I said, they end up one sided blowouts. Wisconsin, Maryland, Nebraska. Just don't, you know, do that. They, yeah. they just don't have that in their locker. No, Wisconsin, Nebraska. More, more powerhouses of defensive talent. I, I would hazard a guess. I don't know if it's true, but I would hazard a guess the Big Ten's put more defensive talent in the NFL than any other conference. I would hazard a guess because they just do it every single year without fail. High-level talent, let's put it that way. Um, quick couple of uh, comments from the viewers. Dan goes, you're both watching the game tonight. Yes, we're watching. We're just doing this today because I'm working nights all week. So, yeah, we're getting this out of the way. But we are watching and hoping for a Lions win. Brent also goes, Anthony is wrong again. Definition of insanity is putting Will Harris on Devontae Adams. Shame on you, Brent. Do not will that into existence. If Devontae Adams scores a touchdown against Will Harris tonight, you need to go and sit in the naughty corner and think about what you said. That we just We can't be having that happening. It'll give me nightmares. I'll not sleep. Um, right, let us move it on. The other upsets. Oh, you know what? That brings us into a perfect segue because Brent's brought that into existence. Army, the Black Knights, 14-point favourites at home against UMass, the University of Massachusetts Minutemen, who were 1-7 and seven on the season, uh, had their win early doors, and they've looked... No, you know what? They've looked a bit more competitive than usual this season. I'm going to give them that but overall they still look like the same old UMass and what happened the 14 point underdogs rolled into Army's territory beat them 21 points to 14 and you know what makes this even more deliciously ironic UMass Ryan beat them at their own game rushing stats 37 rushes for UMass for 267 yards at 7.2 yards per carry Army were 41 carries, 256 yards, only at 6.2 yards per carry, so a full yard per carry less. But one of the players of the week, Kron Lynch Adams for UMass. Get this stat line. 34 carries, 252 yards, and three touchdowns. There are not many running backs that can go up against that many you know against a, a triple option defense they're usually pretty good air forces is legitimately elite armies is really good though 252 yards 7.4 yards per carry there are not many running backs who can do that against a service team and umass to their credit second win of the year they are looking better go into army and beat them at their own game that's that's quite a win for them yeah that's not often you not many teams go to West Point and just give them a taste of their own medicine. Like I said, I imagine, if I had to guess, Army would have had a lot of nine-man boxes, brought the safeties up, stack the box, stop the run, and still give up a 250-yard rusher. Probably, like I say, stacking the box. That's not good. Like I said, that is, 
that is truly them taking your own game plan and then seeing if you can stop it. Bear in mind, you practice against it every week. That That's painful. Going through the air, one thing, but then like your own bread and butter is the thing that takes you down. That's kind of hard to accept, especially against a team that won't win. And yeah, playing decent football, but not in good situations, struggling, and has a history in recent years of being pretty uncompetitive. That, that's quite a hard loss to swallow at home. I say that that one will be a bit of pill to swallow, and it does make you question about: Is it time for Army to look at Air Force? How they're changing? How they're modernising? How they're improving? Is it time for Army to follow suit? Like I say, they've 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 modernised. They've kicked it up a tempo. They've brought in some passing, some extra players. They're reaping rewards. Then the Black Knights need to get with the programme right now and they need to start thinking a bit more expansive especially on offence because yeah you can only beat so many teams these days carrying the ball 40-50 times and just trying to pound it down the neck it's very easy to work out and these teams are getting better at stopping it yeah yeah I, I agreed fully um, it's and, and I was watching Air, I watched Air Force play Colorado State at the weekend and you know Colorado State looked pretty good early on, but then Air Force just clamped down on them. Honestly, they played, and it was in the snow. It was a snow game, but their defense is just nasty. It's so, 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 so nasty. And the offense is actually quite varied. They pass it a little bit when they need to. They just get it right, and they get the right sort of... And I think it's a quarterback, because Bryson Daly, the starter, in this game for Army, he's 3 of 13, 28 yards, 2 interceptions... Champ Harris comes in, he's 5 of 7, 92 yards, but, you know, you've got to be, if you're going to be an F, if you're going to be a service quarterback, you've got to be dependable and efficient and just give enough to go with the run. I mean, look at the other side of this game. Tyson Fomachan for UMass, he was 17 of 23 for 123 yards. That's, that's just, you know, that's bog standard. That's average. Yeah, that's like five yards per play, but it's enough. Sell the threat of the pass. Pass it a little bit when you need to, and the run game will thrive. It just lightens the box enough to run. UMass did. They need to look at what UMass did to them. You need to get a quarterback who can do it, and Zach Larrier is doing it for Air Force. I mean, how he's playing through that knee injury and looking so good, I don't know. He must have been in some right pain playing in the snow in Denver the other day. But he did, and he looked damn good, and Air Force just, they look amazing at the minute. I think they're ranked 17th in the nation now. It says it under the bottom here. Yeah, undefeated, 17 there. So, big upset there for UMass. Chrome's in the building, says, what up, though? Ken's in the building, says, fly Air Force, fly indeed. I love watching the Falcons this year. I, I just love watching them. They're one of the first games I look for on the week now. It's service football, but it's service football with a twist. And it's one of the best defences on the nation. Uh, Brent goes, last week, Ryan stumped me on Army. Ashamed I didn't know the answer, I guess that's about the other sports that Army do I think we yet to find the answer to that question you, you'll need to find that out Brent how many other sports do Army play we're, we're intrigued now um, still in the upset corner have we got a couple left um, Clemson we're talking about teams whose seasons are ruined hey my guys NC State Oz Wolfpack we've been bad this year at home Clemson were 9 point road favourites in this NC State 24-17 to winners Will Shipley is injured. 
Um, everything's just falling apart for Clemson this year. Big rebuild year for Dabo there, right? So it, it's just all gone to pot for Clemson. It has, yeah. I don't know where the Tigers go from here. How much of the portion of the blame can I put on K. Kubik without being unfair? I'm not going to give loads of blame when I say he's no one's writing him off. Like I say, it's it's been a bad year. Can he he has to take a chair of the blame? Sure. I uh, I think the coaching, like I said, that they get a large portion. The Clemson defense is, I think, it's still it's still good. Still got a lot of good key pieces. Shipley. Kind of like say the heart soul of the offense while Kane is still figuring it out, but like say, gone. Uh, so there is a gaping hole right now in the middle of the Tigers, which kind of is able to stem the stem the floor. Uh, it's going to go down as one of their more disappointing years for well, as far as I can remember. Actually, when was the last time that the Clemson Tigers were this bad? Yeah, and I I I, I don't know like. Is Dabo Swinney's seat? It's not hot. Is it warming? Is it is it on a gentle simmer? You, you kind of feel like he's got to take a lot of this. Yeah, this we've said a lot of times now. It's his God's name, image, and likeness thing has got. He's got to ease up on his portal restrictions. I think, otherwise, he's going to get left behind, and that team is getting left behind. Or I can just flip this and say, my. Uh, my Wolfpack just love beating the big teams in the ACC. We've owned Florida State for the last few years. We've beaten Clemson this year. We love the big performances. Brent has given us a $2 super chat. Appreciate that, Brent. He goes, Ryan, Army has 15 different sports. So there you go. A wide variation of sports there for Army. Um, bonus point for you, Brent, if you can tell me what they're best at. Because I would not know what they'd be best at. If they had a shooting team, I imagine they'd be amazing, but I don't know whether shooting's a thing over there, whether they do shooting comps. Wrestling. So, I bet wrestling. Really wrestling. All right. Well, we might come back to that next week if we can't find it out, but we'll see what Army do best in. And last on the upset list, I wanted to leave this here, right, because this this is a special moment for Ryan. He's, he's not had much to talk about with his own team this year, Arizona State. They've been terrible... The butt joke of the uh, Pac-12 this year. But finally, finally, at the expense, unfortunately, of Cameron Ward and Washington State, they are no longer winless. Washington State were five-point road favourites for this game, but they've been they've had a horrible last month since that Oregon State win. Arizona State 38, Washington State 27, and Arizona State, right, getting back to what they do best, running the ball down teams' throats. Cameron Scatibo, his great season, 120 yards and one touchdown on just 11 carries. Dude's averaging 11 yards per carry. To Carlos Brooks, 11 carries, 67 yards, three touchdowns. Elijah Badger had a rushing touchdown. Um, this was... Arizona State as we know it, Ryan. They may be ending the season with something to look forward to because Trenton Bourget had a turnover-free game as well. Finally, the Sun Devils can claim a victory and you can bask in that for this week. Yeah, it's the season started off on that 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 really bad NAU win in the Sandstorm, so they got the FCS win. Jane Richarda. Like I said, that was the only game he's played this year. Like I said, there was so much hype. And then, like I said, injury. And also, 
I don't think his long-term future here, is here anyway. Oh, star quarterback, I reckon he's going to hit Paul. I reckon he thinks, I can probably do better than this, and he's probably not wrong. But no, then like I say, some really bad weeks, and then that game with USC, where for through three quarters, Arizona State looked good. They were hanging with the Trojans completely. Had 28 points, they were on like 28-34 down. They did fall in the fourth quarter. Then they had, like I said, bad losses. But then, like I said, the surprising holding Washington to just 15 points in a 15-7 loss. And then, yeah, like I said, this week they come out. One thing they do is they don't turn the ball over at the quarterback position because we've seen Jane Rashada, we've seen Drew Pine. He's played his part too. I'd never thought we'd see him at this point. But, yeah, we've seen all three quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Scatibo, one of the best uh, FCS to FBS running backs this year. I'd say he's one of the best transfer portal players. Even in losses, he's kind of been the only player that's really done much. Elijah Badger getting it touches. Uh, BJ, our linebacker, after like five or six weeks, he had like 30 pressures just on his own this year. He got a couple of sacks. He's got like four or five, six sacks on the moral great line because of the nation this year. So, yeah, it kind of all came together against a pretty good opponent. And now you look at still, we've still got the tough games to play in the schedule, like I say, but now we've got to that. We've got the we've got the FBS win. Like I say Kenny Dillingham's got that first real win he can put under his belt. He's going towards the the big one, trying to regain the territorial cup when he meets Arizona in what would be their last Pac twelve battle. He, that's kind of what he's leaning towards, the, the power shift being the Wildcats. But yeah, probably going to be more player turnover. But at least now they can they can claim to not be the worst team in the Pac-12. Maybe that's Stanford, I don't know. Oh, I don't but, know. Yeah, the future, the, the stench of Herm Edwards is almost gone. It's taken a bad year to get there. But you kind of like this was the, the graining in here. I think we can pick up another winner too for the end of the year, to be honest. Trenton Borgia, he was the starter last year. He's probably still the starter now. Like he's that he's probably the best quarterback they have right now to play what he wants to play. Mm. And there's no pressure. No. no pressure when everyone expects you to lose every week. And you can go out there and kind of just play worry free football. So Yeah. And then yeah, the exciting move to the Big Twelve, so it's going to be very strange, like I say, in this year and next year. There's no way to say what will or what happen, but it's it's good to just see a win against a good opponent as well. Yeah, it's not like they picked up a win against a scrub three weeks ago. Washington State were the nation's darling, but not anymore. But it's not our fault. We just we just went out there and handled them. So yeah, it, it was a big win in the grand scheme of what's a long term project yeah. with the. Second, the youngest head coach in the FBS with Kenny Dillingham. So yeah, hey, we're seeing wins can wins can transition into a new season. Can give you the momentum you need and give the players the boost. So yeah, the final upset of the week. There, um, got more people joining us in the building. Chrome's knocking around. Marcus is in the building. Thank you for joining us. Asks us a question about Michigan and their situation at the minute. I'll get to the end of the reviews for this week, and then we'll we'll talk Michigan before we do the week ten preview there but you know a lot of ranked teams lost this year uh, lost this year lost this weekend right but a lot very lucky 
that their playoff hopes are still intact, some of these guys. The Survivor Corner up next, and we nearly had a huge one here. Number five ranked Washington. 42-33 winners against Stanford on the road, but this was very close until near the end of the game. I mean, Stanford looked great. What what has happened to our offense these last few weeks? I don't know. Ever since that, I don't know. It feels like that Colorado game when Colorado started disrespecting them and they produced that massive comeback and... They seemed to, that seemed to have really riled them up and annoyed them and sent them on to something better. But going into this, I mean, it was a minute and a half left. They only had a two-point lead in this game before Dylan Johnson put it to bed. Um, but I want to talk about Stanford first, right? We take, we've, they've come from a really dark place. That Like half-time in that Colorado game, you're thinking, good Lord, this is bad. And then something changed. Something snapped. That Colorado game, they won. They've had other close games since then. And then this Washington team, who've been really good until the last two weeks, they're just starting to show signs of nervousness. And they got taken to the end in this. Ashton Daniels, the Stanford quarterback, who's been really good now replacing Tanner McKee. 30 of 47, 361 yards and a touchdown on the day. No turnovers. Uh, from him he did lose a fumble but he got it back but the big story there at the minute he was the guy last week uh, sorry he was the guy against Colorado Elik Ayamano the wide receiver had three big ass touchdowns in that game including that wonderful one off Travis Hunter's head against Colorado in this game nine targets nine catches 146 yards and a touchdown going at about 16 yards Per play for him there and Stanford may just have found their new elite pairing at quarterback and wide receiver because I mean for a team that don't do much they come up with them quite free, free frankly and they really scared Washington in this game they looked every part a very capable Pac-12 team. Washington look nervous don't they? Yeah. They're closer to get to a potential playoff team I think like say they're a uh... They're, they're seeing the finish line almost in sight, and uh, this is going to work against them. Right, when you look, they only squeaked past Arizona State by eight points, and you only just get past Stanford. Doesn't look very good for your college football playoff resume, does it? No. Like I say they, 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 they're, they're going to have to answer for this when they get their day in court with the committee. It's not going to look good, but yeah, Stanford are in a rare position of they can play football, a bit like Arizona State, they can play football. No one expects them to win. They're pretty much written off before kickoff. And that, yeah, since the Colorado lit a bit of a fire in them, that they're just able to go out and uh, just give work out what works best for them. Like I say, any emerging talents that they're able to kind of build around, they've found a potential star receiver now. Like I say, that they're able to just kind of just keep looking for, just feeding the ball. He'll keep doing his thing. The quarterback will keep going to that well until it dries up. And then, yeah, defense playing its part. And uh, they look like a team that it's not, not going anywhere, but a team that, that's kind of trying to drag itself back from obscurity. After last year was pretty dreadful on the field. It was also really bad off the field. They're kind of just giving their fans just hope. 
something to cheer for, something to want to go watch. You can see the Sac State part of it coming in, can't you? Obviously, Troy Taylor's come from there. You see the explosive offense, which he's putting in there. You're starting to see a bit more of an identity on defense. I know they gave up a lot, but Penix is a Heisman. Penix is the Heisman front runner, I think, now. So it's great for Stanford. But moving on to them, Penix, yeah, 369 yards, four touchdowns, did have one pick, but, you know, now on a flawless day for him. But I think the battle now is coming at receiver. Everyone says Roma Dunze is the first-round pick, and he is. He is a first-round pick. He's amazing. We've both said we want him on the Lions, and he'd be a complete luxury pick for us at wide receiver, but hell, we'd do it. I mean, 89 yards touchdown on the day for him, but people don't talk about Jalen Polk enough. He's like the wide receiver too there, but five catches, 148 yards and two touchdowns, just a measly 29.6 yards per play for him. I mean... Washington could have two receivers go in the first round. I've, I've watched him a bit more recently to see what the, the difference is between them. And honestly, I think he's got first-round traits as well. Penix is clearly the Heisman guy, and Polk and Adunze are clearly both first-round picks, I feel. I don't know if you agree. Uh, I'm probably not there yet on Polk, but I think he's the kind of guy of a good private workout and a good combine. Could be like a Rishi Rice and sneaks into the end of the first round, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say, yeah, Penix, it's his Heisman to lose. Mm. Like I say, it, really, if he wants it, he's going to win it. Right? And that isn't a slight anyone else. I just feel like even when they win and they're pushed all the way, he's he's never the reason they're in trouble. No. Right? He doesn't have bad games. It's just He just goes out there and just puts up massive numbers. I can't sit here and say that he'll be any good in the NFL. Could be absolutely terrible, but as a pure college college quarterback, yeah, I think unless something freaky happens between now and the end of the season, I think he will win the Heisman. But Dunze, I think, yeah, he's a, a top 25 player. I've got, I think Jill Pogg right now top, like, 50, like I say, with the chance to move up. It's Braylon Trice also set the... He's upmatched his own record for like an FBS pressures in a game. I think he got 16 pressures on his own and in 2022. He also had a game where he got 16 pressures by himself. Like I say, I like him potentially as a future lion. But yeah, this Washington draft class is going to absolutely smash the draft. Like I say, I, they, it's, they're going to have another absolutely stellar year. And for me right now, I think Kalen DeBoer is one of the front runners head coach of the year. Yeah, it yeah. made the playoffs. Even if they don't win a playoff game, I pretended to give him it. Yeah, I see him jump from Fresno State, and he has taken to the Pac-12 and to Washington like a duck to water, and they are just a juggernaut. Yeah, and unlike USC, they have a defense which can be clutch when it needs them to be. I mean, I know they technically were this week, but he's got it better on both sides of the ball, and they're in an incredibly hard division. And they're winning games. Now, they're at the Coliseum this week, which is, this is the big test. The really big one. But, you know, even when they've been nervy and jittery, they're still winning. Which we've seen with a lot of teams in the upset columns the last few weeks. UNC couldn't hack it. A lot of teams can't hack it. There's very few teams who can hack that pressure. And so far, they're standing up to it. So it was close. And great game by Stanford. But Washington continue. But the big one is this week. You figure if they win this week... I think that'll be it. I think that'll be them going to the playoffs, and I think they will 
they'll get everything out of the system that they need to. Um, moving on, another team, and good lord, I'm glad this one wasn't an upset because it would absolutely have torpedoed one of my biggest takes of the season. But Penn State, Ryan, they, whoo, they, they had a rotten weekend. Another team who they lost Ohio State the other week. Obviously, the pressure's on because they can still win the Big Ten and they can still get to the playoffs. But you're facing Indiana at home. You win 33-24, to but this game was level with literally a minute to go. Um, Indiana dug themselves out of a 10-point hole. It was 24-14 to Penn State. Indiana dug themselves out of it, and it took until 1 minute 46 left in this game. When Drew Aller, in fairness to him, when they were struggling and they needed him the most, he made a clutch big-ass throw to Keandre Lambert. I think it was like nearly 60 yards or something like that, but that was a play he badly needed to show that when the pressure was truly on, because it was, because Indiana did not let them get away this game, um, he delivered the big play when they needed to, but the Nittany Lions, another one who, they're very lucky their season's still relevant after last week. Yeah, they're kind of limping towards a Big Ten title game. They, they really don't feel with any confidence. It feels like all that air in them has just been taken, punched out. They just look deflated after the Ohio State loss. And that's not what you want to see. You, teams like that, you've got to respond. You can't just go out there now. They played like they felt sorry for themselves. And bear in mind, this is a two-win Indiana. One of the yeah. worst teams in the Power Five. They're terrible. Yeah. And it took two minutes left on the clock to put them away. I thought they were going to lose. And if they'd have lost, wouldn't have been mad because it would have been their own fault and I would have applauded Indiana. But now, uh, it's a real test of their metal and it's a real test of James Franklin. Yeah. Can he, can he get... He's got to muster something out of them now. The, the, the big tests are on the horizon. And, and when they come coming, their title credentials in the next two weeks are about to be questioned and if they're not ready it could be his could be his neck on the block yeah you're at home to Michigan next week and that's the strongest test that's the season that's the season next next week is at home to Michigan and that is my last lingering hope of getting my Penn State in the playoff prediction right but they don't look ready and weirdly enough the secondary concerns because Indiana they only ran at four yards carry they didn't run the ball much but the quarterback I didn't even know him Brendan Sawsby 13 of 19 for 269 yards and three touchdowns that's you know, 13 completed passes and you're giving up 270 yards to... I mean, I don't know if he's good or not, but I've not heard of him before. It's like, you should be doing better than that. When you're keeping the run game in check, you can keep honest against the pass. And you kind of let them shred you a little bit. And they, they weren't doing a great deal on the run. So, yeah, I, I'm worried about Penn State now. And I'm not confident at all. I don't even know if I'll be able to vote for them next week when we put it in the pit watch, if I do. Because everyone's just going to pick Michigan, so I might not even do it. Um, staying in the Big 12, I've put it in here. Ohio State, 24. Wisconsin, 10. Ohio State are the worst undefeated team in college football right now. 
is is that a fair statement? Because in this game, Wisconsin absolutely nullified them on defense. I think it was 10 all at the end of the first. Wisconsin actually looked pretty good. They had a touchdown drive just before the half. You're thinking, yeah, they're getting things going here. They're looking pretty good. And once again, you watch drive after drive after drive after drive of Ohio State doing nothing, but their opposition do even less and it was infuriating to see just how bad Wisconsin's offense was in the second half. And all it takes is two touchdowns, which when you've got Marvin Harrison on the pitch, is inevitable. I mean, if that team didn't have Marvin Harrison, I think they'd have lost three or four games this year. I think they're that much a one-man team. McCord is now hurt. He was limping visibly after the game. He's obviously not healthy. But this was not convincing at all from Ohio State. They rely way too heavily on likes of uh, <coughs> Big Booker and MHG. They, oh, it's even Kid Stover, the tight end chips in a little bit. But they just, they're just relief guys. I said, if one team takes away Marvin Harrison Jr. and holds him to like 50, 60 yards, Ohio State lose. It don't matter who it is, I'm pretty sure that's the recipe for stopping them. And I'm pretty sure in the next few weeks, Someone's going to do it. Someone is going to not, they don't have to stop him. You just put a blanket on him. You just nullify him. Take away the explosive players. And that will be a dagger to the Buckeyes. Because for me, there's no plan B, no plan C, no plan nothing. Yeah. They are a one-man team. Kyle McCormick literally say, go out there, buy as much time as you can behind the offensive line and look for Marin Harrison Jr. If he's not there, Look for one of the other guys if they're open, but that is your go-to lead. Pretty much every player. Oh, and God, that yeah. is, It's not sustainable. No. No. Wisconsin, good, lucky, decent defense. Had a better offense, that would have been a much closer game. They'd have, they might have called the Harsets bluff. But yeah, yeah we're, we're now seeing cracks or chinks in the armor of the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions. It's, do you know what? Me, this is... This is this is literally blood to a shark for the Michigan yeah. yeah, so I'm going to make this prediction now. I said three scores last year. I think they're going to beat them by 30 points this year. 30 points, and I think that's been generous. I think that's the vastness in difference between them. It is literally, if if they can keep Harrison in check, then you know there's going to be no issues there whatsoever. And Ohio State, it just angers me how they're allowed to get away with this all the time. And I hope what... They're playing Rutgers this weekend at Rutgers, and you know what? I am going to be the biggest Rutgers fan in the world ever. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get it, but I think Rutgers would have put up a better fight than Wisconsin did. So, yeah, fraudulent there. Brent goes, PSU-Indiana game was one of the best games last week. I was rooting for Indiana so I could give Anthony grief. (laughs) Not this time, Brent. You can give me grief when the Wolverines pound them next week because I think that's going to happen um but very quickly right i don't know about you i do not want marvin harrison jr in the nfc north like at all some of the catches he makes are freaky that over the shoulder one in the end zone when he's like coming down in the corner i think it was his first one the other day i don't want him anywhere near one of our division rivals i don't know about you no i can't i can't bear the thought of justin (laughs) jefferson and Marvin Harrison Jr. 
I would trade up for a corner. If, if someone drafts him in the top five and it comes to the NFC North, I will trade up for the best damn corner I can get my hands on. That's how little I want him here. He is sensational. And that's, you know, I'm not going to take that away from Ohio State. He's, wow, amazing. Um, other noticeable near misses this week. Tennessee on the road at Kentucky. Tennessee ranked 21 133 to 27. You know, Milton's still flat as to deceive. Tulane, this was in the pick watch, and everyone disregarded Rice and went with Tulane, including me and Ryan. But Tulane 30, Rice 28, and JT Daniels looked really damn good in this one. And I'm so glad he's having the last season that he's had because this Tulane defense is good, and he made them look bad, Rye, but. Tulane, very close to getting upset here. Just every time you thought they were getting away, Rice just kept nibbling at the heels, got the touchdown near the end. It's two points. And again, very, very lucky they didn't suffer an upset. No, like, Tulane are one of those unfortunate teams that have got no room for error. One loss, and that is their New Year Six Bowl dream over. If they take one loss, that, that dream dies for me. They then lose out to someone like Air Force. Oh, that's the they dream. Have to win out, and we did see it, didn't we? Between JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey, one of the better pairings in the Power Five, that they might cause problems. And well, it did come to fruition. JT Daniels had a great year, and McCaffrey's great receiver. And uh, the two-lane defense was was tested to its max. They were given a proper good evaluation, and in the end, yeah, they were. Probably a bit relieved to just see that one out in the end, but good contest, I say. And yeah, I don't know what happens with JT Daniels now. Like, can he have a stick here? No, I'm not sure. No, I think, I think he's, he's done now. He's done, but yeah, see what happens. Who, who takes over Rice? But yeah, they're, they're not a bad team at all. I say uh, if they can, if they can get someone in that can kind of produce the same thing, then uh, they could have another good year. So yeah. They, they, they did escape one. They got lucky this week. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, you're right, Brent. They do play them in two weeks. I, I thought I did mention that, but obviously, yeah. Michigan played Purdue this week, but, I mean, Purdue just had a 30-burger dropped on them by Nebraska. There's absolutely no way they're causing Michigan any problems whatsoever. But, yeah, it's the week after this one. They play Penn State, and, yeah, it might be Penn State's season over. Um, last on the survivors list, and, again... Every single week, Ryan, the biggest frauds in all of college football, the biggest fraudulent head coach in all of college football, USC end up on here again on the road against Cal. USC 50, sounds really nice and sparkly, big offense, Cal 49. And I dread to think how many yards of offense were in this game. It was 1,100 yards. Cal had 560 yards of offense on this 285 through the air, 289 on the ground, thanks mainly due to one Jaden Ott, who had like a 150-yard first half and then just completely went out the equation. But he had 185 yards and three touchdowns on the day. Mendoza, the quarterback, 285 yards, two touchdowns, no picks for him. He had two rushing touchdowns as well. Everyone went crazy on the stat sheet. Caleb Williams had 370 yards. Uh, there were return touchdowns. There were defensive touchdowns. There was all sorts in this game, right? But um, 
I mean, you know, fair play to Cal. Cal are another team. They've done all right this year, especially on offense. They've been good. They've been in a lot of close games. They've not been getting blown out like they do all the time. But it infuriates me that USC can still make the Pac-12 title game with how bad their off defense is. This is getting now to historically bad territory for them. It, it couldn't stop a nosebleed if it tried. Oh, if anyone needs to go and watch the best game of the weekend as a neutral light, it was this one. Yeah. It was fireworks. I think everyone's worked out that Trojans week in, week out. Offense, most likely, will look really good. Defense will look bad and will keep any team on any given day, give them an opportunity to hang around as long as possible and potentially scare them of an upset. It means they can't, they can't be a playoff team. It doesn't matter how big they win the Pac-12 title game if they go out there and like hammer Washington I, I, I don't it just yeah it makes the whole thing murky like how people will make the case for them but you just know they don't belong there Caleb Williams still doing everything I think right at, at this moment in time he's playing for draft stock not yeah. for the Trojans I think he's trying to lock up that first overall selection yeah and then have the opportunity to work out Who's going to finish there? Does he want to play for them? Because he seems to think that he controls his own destiny completely. It's, it's not really how it works. But, yeah, Lincoln Riley, the future for him seems somewhat uncertain. If you fail at USC, like one of the biggest sporting icons programs in the nation, where will he end up? How, how long will they give him to fix this very lopsided football team? I'm honestly not too sure, but it's going to have to happen quickly. So, yeah, and Cal, Cal's showing all the right traits. They're turning the corner. They're doing the, the good things well. They still have a lot of the stuff to work on, but they're a very much work-in-progress team, the Golden Bears. So, for them, this loss won't really bother them. They'll just take all the positives from it. No, and you look at the offense for Cal this year. 58 points against North Texas, 31 against Idaho, then into conference, 32 against Washington, 24 against yourselves against Arizona State, 40 against Oregon State, 49 against USC. I mean, at least one side of the ball, they seem to have figured out. And the Jade Knott, those guys there, that that's a lot of points for a Cal team who, like you said, previous years, traditionally, they've just been awful. Yeah, scoring points. It's not the problem, which is funny because it seems to be a trend <laughs> this season. Scoring points is not the issue. Colorado, USC, and and Cal, <laughs> they can score quite heavily, but can they keep it out? Can they keep teams out of the end zone, manage the clock? Yeah, hit and miss out there. That's yeah. probably the one big thing they need to work on. Big Ten seems like all defense. Pac-12 this year, a lot of offense, <laughs> defense. And you know the shocking thing for USC? Zero havoc plays in this. No tackles for loss, no sacks, no nothing. Cal had four sacks on Caleb Williams and that offensive line full of four and five star recruits. USC didn't have a damn thing. That's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I don't get it. But anyhow, we move on. We're on to the pick watch games now. Um... So you went four and six this week. I went five and five. Five star recruits. It was um, it was a difficult week for us coming off a good one here. But um, 
Liberty 42, Western Kentucky 29. That was the early game of the week. The Flames remain undefeated. They are one of the best teams going at the moment, and they seem to have the CUSA on lock. There were some big blowouts in this. Um, I know that you are never, ever, 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 ever going to trust Florida again. Um, Georgia 41, Florida 22. Uh, Georgia got ahead in this early and never looked back and Florida didn't lay a finger on them. And, and for as bad as Florida were, it seems scary that now Georgia seemed to be waking up a little bit and starting to lay a hammering on teams. Yeah, they've finally woken up. They're, they're just making life a bit easy for themselves, aren't they? They're just giving themselves bigger cushions, winning games more convincingly. Started the season slowly, but they've slowly picked up momentum. And they're at the business point now. And yeah, unfortunately for the Gators, any slither of hope has been extinguished. Mm. Fortunately, they had what they came up against their test, and they got an F. Big F indeed. Um, and for Georgia, one more win now against Mizzou this week, and that's pretty much their part of the SEC uh, done up for the year. Um, other games going on. Um, the Utah train finally came to a crashing halt. I've been on Utah for a while now, but no Cam Rising, no Brent Quithe. Always was going to catch up on them. Um, Oregon 35, Utah 6, and this was an ass-whooping in every sense, literal and physical, of the word, Ryan. Um, this was what we had expected happen to Utah sooner. Yeah, I... I thought it'd be closer. I did not think it'd be this one-sided. I was very shocked to see the score, if I'm honest. I knew the Utah D would slow down Oregon. I didn't think it'd just roll over and have its belly tickled. And we've now seen the ceiling of a Utah team without Cam Rising and Brent Quizlet. Like you say, we, we now know what they are and what they are. And they've and uh, they're, they're been put in their place by... The uh, the Bonick steam train, uh, it, 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 it keeps on chugging. The Ducks, despite the loss to Washington, they have responded really well. That's how a team should respond to a really upsetting loss. You go through and then you rattle some teams off. So I am by no means ruling out Oregon of a playoff place and winning the Pac-12. I'd be foolish to rule them out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they they look like they might be the second team behind Washington now. Brent goes, uh, thanks for sticking with us, Brent, through that power cut. Um, Caleb needs to do less commercials and more football. I kind of feel like that's the same with Paddy Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all that. It seems like they're more interested in doing TV than football now, I must admit. I do like Caleb's skits, but he does Dr. Pepper, he does the Heisman House, he does all sorts at this moment in time. Maybe he does need to cut the commercials back and focus on his football more. Uh, Duke got blown out by Louisville 23-0. to We know that that injury to Riley Leonard has destroyed their season. Mentioned UCLA earlier, 28-16 to winners over Colorado. You were the uh, lone believer in the buffs, right? But I mean, this is the third worst rushing offense in football, 78 yards per game. And when you can't run the football, you end up in third and long and a defense is going to be able to tee off on you and Christ, UCLA absolutely decimated Shadur Sanders. It's been a while since I've take, seen a QB take such a hammering. I mean, like, 
his first 16 plays or something, there were like 15 pressures and four sacks, and the numbers were stupidly absurd, but that UCLA defense is stupidly good, and they absolutely killed the Buffaloes. Yeah, it's by far the toughest game he's probably ever had. Uh, was it 27 pressures, 15 quarterback hits, five sacks? Something stupid like that, isn't it? Yeah. I see. The funny thing is, Shadur Sanders didn't even play bad. He didn't turn the ball over, no. and he still got decent yardage. So for every time they hit him, he was still getting the ball out quickly. But yeah, the Buffaloes, Coach Prime needs to go out. He needs to get the boosters checkbook and next year. They need to get the best running back in the country. Whoever it may be, they've got to go out and find a way to bring them in. Because otherwise, they're not doing anything. Temp they know we, they, they've been exposed now. Yeah. Total one-dimensional offence. And this week, got taken away. Yeah, tempt Jade not from Cal. I don't think he's eligible till 2026. He's still got a few years left in him yet, so bring him with you to the Big 12. He, But mind you, recruit some offensive linemen first, because my yeah, God. Yeah, Coach Klein did say, didn't he, that I'm basically going to... Yeah, if the linemen suck, I will replace you, and I'm going to go get some new ones. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what he's going to do. There's going to be massive turnover in the trenches for them, for sure. Mile Marker says, yeah, you're here again. Sorry, Mile Marker, the weather is awful my way, and it's been messing with communications all day and it just knocked out my internet briefly enough to get us kicked off so i apologize about that but thank you for uh thank you for sticking with us um just yeah the weather's just absolutely atrocious here at the minute um but, 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 but where were we oh i i'm just gonna rub my nose smugly together here because boise state absolutely whomped wyoming and you bet on the cowboys last week right but this was 32 to 7 um Wyoming not on your Christmas card list right now Boise and I mean this was a whooping of whoopings yeah I went back to the Warren hole too many times the Cowboys have looked good had an absolute stinker I said the Broncos just 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 handled business fairly comfortably yeah it was it wasn't great um for them uh and God, where are the others there's a few more uh, we both got Texas State wrong. They got whooped by Troy 31-13. to Even though they were leading 13-10 at one point, they were very competitive in the first half. But Troy, big game occasion, came forward. The Bobcats quite couldn't quite get it done there. And then the heartbreaker, the UNLV Rebels, my sixth team who I put my faith in and gave love to and said, go forth and do great things this year. Couldn't do it against Fresno State, 31-24. to In fairness, they looked good, and that's quite a competitive scoreline against the Mountain West champions for a team of UNLV's calibre. And you were right, you know, they were not as good as Fresno State, but what they did need was a solid performance on the road to show that they are heading in the direction. So they didn't win, but they showed they're making progress. But ultimately, you were right, and they're not there yet. No, but competitive, yeah. Going up against someone that's got a decent caliber team if you're able to compete with games like that then it means that they're they're closer than they are further away to being on their level UNLV still hold out hope for right that's everything for the pick watch um are there any other games you want to mention the only other one I sort of had listed here was the absolute smacking that Tulsa got from SMU who dropped 69 we on them um 69 <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything? Yeah, 53 at the half, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I think they just, they just came up in the second half and just said, "Yeah, we feel sorry for you." 
Yeah, don't 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 roll up the scoreline. But that was a shocker. But any any others you want to mention from the weekend that's gone that we haven't? I'm not sure there is. But we, there's a lot gone on this weekend. A lot of upsets. A lot of survivors. BYU look like a fraud, don't they? Oh yeah. Oh, they lost to. Um, oh god, who were they playing this week? It was. Oh, were they playing? Oh, hang on. I've, I've, I've lost my lit. And it, was it Cincy they were playing? Or did they play Cincy the other week? I think they played Cincy no, the other week. Didn't. Oh, they're playing West Virginia? West Virginia? West Virginia won again. West Virginia yeah. won again, yeah. They've gone from 5 and 2 to like nearly. Like, they've gone from, yeah, they were 5 and 1, and now they're like 5 and 3, and yeah. Yeah. They had a great start to the Big 12 has unraveled very quickly, unfortunately. Yeah, they had a good non-con slate and then it's just sort of gone wide for them there. But yeah, a lot went on in week nine. So yeah, great weekend of football. We've got another good one coming up. Just before we do and we go on to next week's predictions, I've got a question here from Mile Mark. Not a question so much as a statement that maybe we could answer, but it goes, and I'm going to do all these. Thank you to everyone who stayed with us with this. Um, He goes, before you go, and I know it's off topic slash won't help, but is there anything nice you could say about Minnesota, I mean, Tyler Newbin. Tyler Newbin's the Minnesota safety. He's absolutely. He's one of. I know mean, he's one of your guys, but I think you pegged him as one of the best safeties in the Big Ten. Am I right in thinking that? Yep. Yeah, no, I do like him. He's one of the better uh, back end safeties in the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, and he is great. great. Uniforms, some of the best helmets in the nation. Yeah, it's so tight. One of the best dressed head coaches. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Actually, I know he's not a good quarterback, but Kelly McManus has got one of my favourite names in college football. I just love saying the name Kelly McManus. But in terms of Tyler Newbin, I mean, so I've just got his grades up here. He's grading 90 on the season. His coverage grade is 90 on the season. He's got four pressures, one sack, one quarterback hit. Doesn't do much rushing, but his targets this year, right? He's been targeted 10 times. He's given up two receptions for eight yards. He's got three picks, three pass breakups. That's legit. Some would say elite numbers from him there. Teams are not going after him. And when they are, he's giving them absolutely bugger all. Yeah, he's he's going to be one of the, the higher safeties taken in the draft. Like I said, he's definitely a strong day two option right now. That could be a riser. And for me, I don't think this is a great safety draft. Not that I'm aware of right now. I don't think it's the best class. I mean, I'm just trying to think now. Who would be like the safeties outright at the top of them? Last year, I could have told you them all. This year, I'm struggling to think of safety. Is Sanra still up this year for Michigan? He's the safety. Is he? I don't think he's draft eligible yet. But uh, who do Jalen Catalan has to decline now, doesn't he? Oh, he's an injury bust, though, and he—you know what? Arkansas stood by him for a long time, and then he buggered off in the portal. I, I have no love for Jalen Catalan, but yeah, it's—it's it's not the greatest. Class. This is the cornerback class. This is the cornerback class, not the safety class. Tons of good corners in this draft. But yeah, Tyler Newbin. That's what we can give you about Minnesota. He's amazing on offense. I mean, I don't think there's much in the terms of you'd have to go running back because that's where they always go. But who's the lead? I think, is it Darius Taylor who's the guy there this year? But yeah. they've got six guys in triple figures, so they're, they're spreading it out this year. So, yeah, Tyler Newbin there. Right, let us... Hey, Lisa, sorry, I had a power surge at my end. The weather is rotten, and it's been playing with the, the power lines 
so it just knocked everything cold. So apologise about that, but thank you for coming back and joining us again. Uh, right, let us take a look at next week's. We, we've gone on for ages about the games because there were so many good games um, last week, and, and we need to look ahead this week. And I've kind of got brutal with the pick watch this week because too many players were picking too many easy teams. So I've not put... Mizu and Georgia in this week although we're going to talk about that but I've not put it in because not enough people would be brave enough to pick Mizu we're starting off in the MAC on Wednesday Ryan and very difficult to pick here but we've got the bottom of the table fixture in the MAC East we've got the Kent State Golden Flashers away at the Akron Zips both of them sporting a 1-7 and seven record on the season, both of them 0-4 in conference. Kent State on a five-game losing streak. Akron on a six-game losing streak. Although, belie those numbers, Akron have looked like a decent team this year. They narrowly missed on a Power 5 scalp. I can't remember who it was, but they nearly took a Power 5 scalp in there. They've not been getting blown, blown out in the conferences. And Kent State have not recovered from the loss of Colin Schley and the running back to UCLA, who I keep forgetting. Oh, God, you, you remind me, right? Who's the UCLA running back we keep mentioning? They lost a pair of them to UCLA. Um, Carson Steele? Yes, that's it. Carson Steele. And they lost Colin Schley, who also went to UCLA, who was actually playing for them this week. I think Dante Moore got benched, didn't he, for UCLA? And Colin Schley is now starter for UCLA, so good for him. But we've got a bottom of the table bash here. Kent State at Akron. Who do we have? I suppose this is where home field advantage really takes effect. Like two bottom feeders, you need the you need the crowd, you need the fans to get behind you. So I will take the zips. You know what? I'm gonna take the zips as well. We're gonna zip up this part of the conversation and we're gonna have a sweep to start um next up uh acc action boston college at syracuse and ryan boston college i know we didn't mention them but they continue to recover from the worst of starts this season i just it felt like their season was over a long time ago um but they're now five and three they're two and two in the acc they're just coming off a win against yukon who are trash this year, but they, you know a win is a win nonetheless. And <laughs> unbelievably, they're on the edge of securing bowl eligibility. And we like the quarterback; he is doing good things there. Um, I really like him. Anyhow, I think he's going to be a stud in years. Castellanos um, Thomas uh, he had a pretty good game this weekend. I know Emmett Moorhead's in there as well, getting a few snaps. Uh, but they're playing Syracuse, who are rock bottom of the ACC, and even with Garrett Schrader and that offense, they Syracuse, um, they've not been talked about this year, but their fall from grace has been huge. Uh, but Boston College, we know, on the day they're good, on, not on the day, they're incredibly bad. Um, who have you got here? You've got the Falcons or the Orange? I'll take BC, riding the crest of a wave, Castellanos one of PFF's best college quarterbacks last two weeks, I believe. So, yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to cruise to a bowl game, whether it's deserved or not. It's not for me to say, but, yeah, they should get the job done against a, an orange that is just feeling sorry for itself and just praying for the end of the season. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to go on with Garrett Schrader. He's not going to get drafted. He'll be an undrafted free agent. Someone might take Pete Yelman and... Eh, they might take him as some kind of third or fourth scout team option. But I don't think he's going to get drafted. Uh, I'm going with Castellanos as well. Castellanos and the Eagles. Did I say Falcons? I'm so sorry. The Eagles sweep for Boston College for us here. Um, Washington at USC. Big... Pac-12 game. We've talked about Washington. They're looking nervy, rightly so. These last two weeks struggled against Arizona State in a low scorer, struggled against Stanford in a high scorer. Um, and this is this is it now. You go into the Coliseum. Now, I know Utah have just been there and won, but on any given day, USC can beat anybody there with that offense. And Washington, this is, this is it for them. I think this is the big game where they finally prove that they're worthy of the playoffs but can they manage that expectation if USC get up on them early were they going to have the backbone to fight back against that and the defense to do so who do you have in this battle of the top of the Pac-12 slobber knocker as JR would say I can only see this going one way and that is one defense slowing the other down and that is going to be the Huskies I don't think they'll stop Caleb Williams. I think they will hold him and they'll hold USC to a respectable amount. And then Penix Jr. comes in and just does what he has to do. I think it'll be really, really close. I think Washington will just take it. I don't see any way USC stop Washington's offense. They couldn't stop. They couldn't, they couldn't run a hot bath. There were 99 points in the USC-Cal game. I think there'll be more in this one. I think two D. I think two offenses going to absolutely tee off on one another in a big way. Because I think that Washington defense is vulnerable, but I do think they will get the critical stop at the end. I believed in the Huskies for the playoffs. I'm riding with the Huskies to the playoffs. Huskies sweep here against USC. Now we're going to the Big 12, our favorite conference to go to, because it's so unpredictable and it's rivalry week here. Ryan, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State and one of the most unlikely turnarounds ever after getting thwomped at home by South Alabama. Oklahoma State's turnaround has just been significant and I don't mean they've just been winning games. They've been absolutely smashing teams in, well, to not non-existence, but they've been putting up some serious points on them. They just beat Cincinnati 45-13. to They've put some really good teams away in this resurgence. And Oklahoma are reeling off their first loss of the year. Oklahoma on the road. Rivalry game, one of the biggest games of the week. Lot of implications, you know, maybe not for the playoffs anymore, but certainly for the Big 12. Who have you got on rivalry week? Sooners or Cowboys? Cowboys. I I think they will take advantage of uh, the Sooners just dropping a game. And I like to say, I think I think the Cowboys could win the Big Twelve, and I think that starts this weekend. I think this will be the best game, one of the best games in the nation. But I think they will find a way to cause Dylan Gabriel problems. See, this is going to be the first time me and you are going to deviate. Oklahoma State have not won me back just yet. They are looking really good. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. It just feels like the Sooners have that little bit more legitimacy about them at the minute, though. But if I'm proved wrong, I'm proved wrong. So you go Oklahoma State, 
I go Oklahoma. Um, but I think that's going to be another great game and one that I'm intending to watch, which should be on. Uh, Brent just quickly goes, woke up Saturday just in time to watch Ott for Cal gain over 130 yards in the first quarter, I think, during my coffee ritual. What a start to the day. Yeah, um, Ott's performance was spectacular indeed. Um, who do we have up next? Ooh... Big Ten, Nebraska at Michigan State. Nebraska fresh off cleansing away. Um, I can't remember what I said now. Big win weekend just gone, though. Uh, Michigan State, I mean, they're a mess, aren't they? Lost to Minnesota in the weekend just gone. Scored a touchdown with about eight minutes to go and then kicked the onside kick that early, even though they were only one score down at the time, and they ended up giving away another touchdown because of that decision. They they are all over the place, but Nebraska, we know what Nebraska are. Not a great football team. Um, Rule is doing some work with them, but they've still got a long way to go. It's the Big Ten. Anything can happen. Uh, Nebraska at Michigan State, who are, you, who are you picking? Matt Rule is a good college coach. And like I say, he's got Good. St- he's he's made one of the better starts for Nebraska in, in many years. Let's say if I'm right. And Michigan State, yeah, it's just it's it's just rough. And I think Nebraska can capitalise on that. Not a great team, but they're having an okay year. I think they've got more than enough to capitalise on a pretty bad situation and become ball eligible. They win this to become ball eligible, I believe. Cornhuskers. Yeah, yeah, they can. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm going Nebraska as well. Nebraska sweep for us, um, but this could go anyway. Michigan State are at home. It always counts for something, but they just look like they're determined to lose this, like every game in a different, more humiliating way every week. Um, now, the SEC, Ryan, you already know where this is going. LSU at Alabama. Ever since that defeat to Florida State, LSU have sort of got back on their feet. That offense is legitimate. Jaden Daniels is legitimate. They're heading to Tuscaloosa. Alabama have just looked meh all season. The defense is what they're really doing with the second second half. Alabama is a monster. First half, Alabama is just like you know a sleeping sleeping giant. They just do nothing. But in the second half, they're really good. But this really feels like LSU's chance to put one over on them. But Bama just, they find ways to win games they don't deserve to win this year, which always makes them a dangerous team. So can LSU? No. I think Tuscaloosa, a really sloppy Alabama team that I've got no faith in, finds a way to defend their goalposts from being torn down and gets one foot in the uh, potentially uh, towards a potential title game. I think these are the games Bama live for. They when 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 it really hots up, that's kinda when they come out and do their best stuff. Oh it's tough, isn't it? This LSU offense is elite and it's like if it can tee off on Bama but they beat Bama last year and they won the division last year. And it feels like it's very difficult to do it twice against him in a row. So against all the instinct that my body is telling me, I am also going to go Alabama with you. Although in an ideal world, I would say LSU. But no, Bama for me as well. Um, Notre Dame at Clemson. I kind of was really excited when I put this in. Then I'm like, huh, maybe not. But Notre Dame handed out an absolute hiding to Pittsburgh this week. I think it was 58-10. I mean, Pittsburgh, after 
just some puzzling wins recently. You wonder how they won them. Uh, absolutely annihilated. Marcus Freeman seems to be settled now at Notre Dame. But you're heading to Death Valley. No matter how bad they are, they're still really difficult to beat there. And it still feels like Notre Dame have got to prove. They, they've proven at home. They beat USC, but the USC defense is not very good. This Clemson defense is still elite. It's just its offense has let it down entirely. Who have you got? Notre Dame going to Death Valley at Clemson. I'm guessing Will Shipley won't play. No, he's hurt. Give me Notre Dame by loads. What what a crap game. What should have been a great game will be crap. Audric Estimer, I think he's going to just run right through him. Brent goes, LSU had 60 minutes of live practice against my Black Knights. We go, yes, they did. Yes, they did. 63 nothing, I believe. Um, uh, I'm just very reticent to bet against Clemson at home. Oof. I'm going to go Clemson uh, for no other reason that they're just very difficult to beat there, but Notre Dame probably should win. But I'm going to go Clemson. I do need to take some risks in the pit watch now because I am behind. Um, Big Ten, back there again. I've put it in. The lowest ever over-under in the history of college football, set at 29.5. Iowa at Northwestern. Northwestern just coming off a big win. Very big win. And Iowa, or Iowa, can't score many points. This is going to be tough watching, probably on the level of what the Steelers and Titans will be on Thursday night football. But in the battle of the Big Ten Slugfest, I mean, Snowfest, whatever. Iowa at Northwestern, who you got, Ryan? Always. I'll always take Iowa. They will nullify anything Northwestern thing they can do. Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa as well. But, yeah, defence. I think Cooper DeJean will have, like, three return touchdowns just because he'll be so annoyed with that one that got annulled against Minnesota. Northwestern are not very good on special teams, so I fancy them to do something there. Utah State at San Diego State, Mountain West. Both underperforming big time this year. Not really in conversation at the top, um, if I remember rightly. Obviously, Utah State's championship is very long forgotten about now, even though it was only two years ago. San Diego State, I mean, they got absolutely hammered the other day, if I'm thinking rightly. In fact, no, they beat Hawaii, but the week before, they got absolutely destroyed. And it's been a bad season for both these teams, I think, in the grand scheme of things. Let me just double-check where they are. Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State are 1-3 and three in conference, 3-5 and five overall. And so are Utah State, actually. Both on two-game losing streaks. Uh, Who have you got? Bottom of the basement in the Mountain West. I'll take the Aggies. You mean Utah State? Ooh, I'm going to take the Aztecs. I, I, I'm not sure. The bottom of the Mountain West is a mess this year. I'm all about Air Force and Air Force only. Brent goes, you're wrong again, Anthony. It was only 62 nothing. Please don't make it worse. Did I say 63? Sorry, Brent. When I can't count that high. That's how many points they scored. It's gone beyond my range of counting. <laughs> um, and then the last one, Kansas at Iowa State. The Bectacle Spectacle is at home. This is his biggest test to date. Iowa State, this is a this is a real big test of their candidacy of whether they can uh, they can do anything in the Big 12. Kansas coming off the massive upset win against Oklahoma. All the confidence in the world. Being playing well. Um, can Iowa State do it? And, and we're forgetting here, the curse is on. I've put the curse on Iowa State, so you've got to take that into consideration as well. But if you've got Jayhawks or Cyclones. No, Iowa State already. 
best de- one of better defences Bet is going to play. I just can't see him having a turnover free game, I'm honest. I think the Jayhawks win this convincingly a bit what would be a blowout. I'm I'm kind of bound to at this point, but I've got to back these. I can't just support these teams and then leave them alone. I'm going a Cyclone win. And if he does, Rocco Beck's going to get so much love next week. I will do an entire segment on him if he wins this game. So Rocco, there's a lot on the line for you. So Ryan goes Jayhawks. I go Cyclones. Um, and that's it for the pick watch fixtures. But there are other games we want to talk about before we get out here. Because we have been going a while now and we have had that little hitch in between. Let me just get the ranked fixtures up. Obviously, there's a really big one we need to talk about, right? Missouri at Georgia. The Tigers, Brady Cook, Luther Burden. Luther Burden's one of the best wide receivers in college football, full stop. Done it against all the opposition he's come up against this year. Brady Cook looked really good, really calm, really composed in the face of a lot of pressure on this Mizzou team who feel like they're playing under no pressure because they are under no pressure. They're in Georgia's conference. Georgia have won every game nearly for the last two years. They're the juggernaut. They're at home in Athens. They're big favourites for this. But I don't know. There's just something about this Mizzou team that makes me think that they can go there under no pressure and Georgia haven't looked that great at home this year. Is there a realistic possibility of an upset here? I, I was going to put it in the pit watch, but I knew the others wouldn't go for it. Can Mizzou beat Georgia? I kind of thought the same last week with the Gators of no pressure. Total free shot. Oh, I Maybe. think the Gators are frauds, but... Missouri are better, but it's the same kind of thing. It's a free hit. But I think Georgia, scarily, are about to hit overdrive. I think the Sleeping Beast has been woken, and I think Georgia will win. But I think Missouri will make them work really hard for it. I would love this to be a one-score game. If they can have a one-score game in Athens, I think that just says so much about where they're going. I'm not even that big a fan of Eli Drinkwitz, to be fair. I think most of the stuff I've ever said about him is not well, not, not nice, but not positive. But I think they can go there, and I think they can give them a really hard game, and they're under no pressure. So I think, yes, they free shot. Not sure they can do it, but we'll see with that. Purdue at Michigan, that's going to be a blowout. That's going to be gone by halftime. They'll be 50 up by halftime. Ohio State at Rutgers. You've put a lot of stock in Rutgers this year. And and good stock. They're bowl eligible. They're best season in forever and a day. I mean, is there any realistic... Is is this going to be a case of where it, there's just not enough offense to be able to win this game? Or, or could the upset be there? They can't be underestimated this year, Rutgers. See, their team is kind of built around his secondary. It's one of their better secondaries. In yeah. The they might be able to hold Ohio State to a certain amount of points, but they can't score any themselves. No. I just think they're going to struggle to uh, beat pace. I yeah. think they can drag them in, into a really ugly matchup and they can make life really difficult for them. But I think they will ultimately just fall short, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, got fireworks going off outside. How lovely. Halloween tomorrow. Um, right, other ranked sides. Tell me where you see an upset. Florida State away at Pittsburgh. That'll get ugly. Cal on the road to in Eugene, Oregon. That might not be an upset, but it should be an entertaining one. Penn State away at Maryland. Kansas State, ranked 25, away at Texas, ranked 7. 
Uh, Texas A&M on the road to Ole Miss, who are ranked 11th. Virginia Tech on the road to Louisville, who are ranked 15th. Oregon State on the road to Colorado, ranked 16th. Army versus Air Force. Uh, in fact, no, we'll come back to that in a minute, because I want to dedicate that especially to Brent. Arizona State on the road at Utah. UConn on the road at Tennessee, ranked 19. UCLA on the road against Arizona. Tulane on the road against East Carolina. And James Madison on the road against Georgia State. Anything screaming upset there? We'll leave Air Force to the side for one minute. Texas and Ole Miss. Ooh. I think they're the two teams that could potentially be a little bit nervous. Is there, Was there not a Utah in there? I, th- I thought I might hear a Utah today. Nope. No. No. <laughs> okay. We can beat the barn feeders and the teams that are in bad form, but I don't think we're going to do much against that defence. Okay. Uh, UCLA at Arizona. I keep, why do I keep wanting to call them the Coyotes? I want to call them the Arizona Coyotes. I don't know why. I don't know why it's in there, but the Wildcats. That's their hockey team. Yeah. Oh, is that is that why? Oh, okay, that that's fair. Um, I mean UCLA on the road at Arizona. That is ups. That screams upset to me. Potentially, yeah. They could make life really hard for them. Mm. Um, okay, lovely. Um, Oregon State at Colorado. No, Colorado. The Buffs have fallen off. It's unbelievable how quickly that hype train has died now. Like, no one's talking about Colorado anymore. And maybe it's the best thing for them. Who knows? But they, they look bad this week. Um, okay, let's finish it off with Army at Air Force. Brent's Army. Don't get in the way of our Falcons. That is all I can say. I'll be really upset with you, Brent, if Army win this week, but... I don't know. I've seen these two teams enough this year. I know it's the Commanders in Chiefs trophy, but Air Force of like they've won so many fixtures in this. They they're clear in the series against Navy and uh, that and they've already beat Navy this year. I mean, could you see an upset with Army? Army are going to get absolutely slapped about. This is going to be ugly. Yeah, you know what? They I'm... cannot handle anything Air Force is about to throw them on offense. No, I I agree. I think the Air Force have got way too much, but these Commanders-in-Chiefs game, everything goes out the window. It's just dumb. I've not seen the unis yet. I'm excited to see what they come up with. I mean, Air Force were wearing some clean blue jerseys at, um, at Colorado State, but enjoyed that there. So, yeah, Brent, if you could accept one more defeat this week, we would really appreciate that because we want the Falcons to go to the New Year's Six Bowl as the G5 representatives. Um, anything else that sticks out on there? Madison at Georgia State. James Madison. Now they're going to go undefeated this season. Um, Illinois at Minnesota. Oh, God. You know, you look at all these Big Ten fixtures and they're just... Ugh. Boise State at Fresno State. That's a big one for the Mountain West. Um, but, yeah, there's, I think we talked about most ones. Anything else? Any other games you want to mention? Brent goes, I'm not looking forward to this game. Air Force is good. Air Force are amazing this year, Brent. Honestly, even as a neutral, playing the triple option, they're very fun to watch. Who did Tulane play? East Carolina away. And East Carolina are... Oh, never mind. That'll be a bloodbath. Yeah, bloodbath. Absolutely done. Um, I don't think there's anything else in terms of... There's not a lot of ranked ranked teams don't need to worry this week, I think. I mean, James Madison at Georgia State, but Georgia State got blown out last week, so... No, I just don't think like James Madison are going to lose. I think they're going to be... They don't stack bad weeks. No, they do not stack bad weeks at all. Okay. That is everything for week 10. You will hear us review it all next week, of course. So, you know, join us for that. Um, Appreciate everyone who's joined with us and stuck with us this evening. I know I did get asked earlier 
on the first part of this show about Michigan. I don't know whether Marcus is still in the chat. If you are, hopefully you are. You'll hear us talk about this, but we need to quickly talk about Michigan. Obviously, this sign-stealing thing has become... Well, even me as a big Michigan... Not a hater, but as a one who holds them to higher standards. I think this is all a load of nothing. And that there's nothing in this and there shouldn't be anything. But there's just a little part of me that thinks that this sign-stealing stuff that's running concurrently with the recruiting violations, even if the recruiting violations are bogus, which they are, when you've got two separate investigations running against you at once, to someone on the outside not looking, that immediately says, badly run organisation, something's amiss. And you can see why people think like this. I think it's nothing, but I think the two together might be a little bit of an issue. I don't know what you make of it all. I think it's bogus, but what do you think? I think they're both pathetic. Like you say, Michigan, I don't give a shit if they still signs or not. They don't need signs to win. But they still won every game that they supposedly knew some of the player calls from. I genuinely think if Michigan want to move on from Jim Harbaugh, because yesterday they pulled that new contract offer, they're distancing themselves from Jim Harbaugh. I, I think this could be the, the little string that you pull and it slowly unravels the jumper. I think his time might be coming to an end. And that could bid more off but what what's on the field, it'd be off the field. Like you say, it maybe to an end. They're gonna get fed up with this kind of stuff. If anything else does come out in the next twelve to eighteen months, then yeah, there'll be serious concerns about off field misconduct and this coaching staff as a general, what they're willing to look the other way with, what they're willing to try get away with to take an advantage. And it's it's a distraction that the Wolverines don't need. They're trying to win a bloody national title, for God's sake. They don't need this bullshit. Like I say, in Harbaugh, I don't know, it's his legacy at stake. Like you say, it's, it's his reputation on the line. And if he's doing anything to contribute to any of this, then it, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's ridiculous. And yeah, this is coming from people who hold Michigan to higher standard. We think that it's bogus, and I think it'll be proven as bogus. I just worry that the two at once might sway opinions here. Two nothings might make a something, is my thing. But hopefully it doesn't. Michigan are just kicking everyone's ass, and I think... And did you see that thing where one of the investigators, it turns out, is Ryan Day's brother? One of them's in, one of the investigation committees has Ryan Day's brother on it. It's like, hmm... I wonder where I wonder where this has come from. It's like, yeah, he's he's involved in this. And it's like, I wonder where. Ryan Day is just annoyed that he can't beat Michigan. And he's annoyed that his legacy is getting tarnished with the fact that he can't beat them. And I think he's been very petulant about this. It would not surprise me if Ohio State were the instigators here. So, yeah. It's bogus. That is all I have to say about Michigan. Thanks to everyone uh, for saying you've enjoyed the show. Again, apologies about the little break in there. I cannot help the weather, unfortunately. It's been a pain in the neck here. Um, we will, or the podcast will be back tonight. Uh, Matt and Ash will be doing their uh, or, uh, alternative commentary if you want to come and join them for that. I will be doing all our Twitter stuff as always, so if you don't do the audio or watching stuff, you want to 
um, you want to message me on Twitter, please do. I'm, I'm active all night there. We're looking forward to it. I mean, you have five minutes. We'll quickly go through the line stuff. So you were mentioning, uh, Rai. So Amara St. Brown is going to play, which is great. He's expected to start tonight. Divine Azigbo, the running back, has been signed to the squad, as has Michael Nice, the offensive lineman, which probably means our interior offensive line is going to be... Um, they're, they're all out, basically. Although, on the good side, the Raiders have lost their kicker, uh, Daniel Carlson. He's listed as questionable. They've promoted their practice squad kicker, so got to figure that he is going to have a little bit of an issue playing there. But, I mean... Quick, quick thoughts on the game before we go. Walt, we've got everyone in the building. Um, do you expect us to win tonight? I don't think the offensive line's going to be an issue. I, th- I think if the Bears and their substandard O-line can put 30 on these guys and keep Tyson Bajan, a Division Two quarterback, upright, we should be able to as well. I am I am officially worried. I I don't think we can run Jameer Gibbs through these, this, this interior. We've tried it before in a previous game. He got basically killed. I think Max Crosby is probably going to get like two and a half sacks. I'm hoping that's the only threat they have on defense. I do. I think he's going to take us to the cleaners, I'm perfectly honest, which I can live with because it's expected. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the Raiders have got a really good pass defense. I think it's like top six or something. Like it, it's supposed to be really good. So yes, I'm going to say I am concerned of a potential banana slip. So we. I'm not confident. For me, it's a no, this is a no-win situation. We can only have bad things happen today. If we win, no one bats an eyelid. It's the Raiders. They got blown out by the Bears. If we lose, then good Lord, tomorrow becomes very interesting. Because then the organisation have a very big decision to make about do they swing and try and keep the season going or do they just say, we're not close enough. We'll see how we do. We'll get an NFC North title and then we'll really kick on next year. Um, but yeah, this is about how they respond. We talk about teams responding. They have an absolute must win Ev- going into the bye. Yeah, every time this team has been tested, the Lions, they've responded, which is good. That the Falcons game after the Seahawks, now we've got to show that we can absolutely womp on these guys. All the frustration from last week, all the anger, all the embarrassment, take it out on these and do it convincingly. Put some points down on get up early so you can run the ball. You don't have to risk the pass rush as much. Um, but I'm 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 concerned as well because it's all I think loss. If we win, I think we make a big trade tomorrow. If yes, lose, I do. I think they all go out the window. Yeah, so that's the last thing I'll say. For every Lions fans who are worried about Brad Holmes doing nothing, I'd, I'd say I don't think it moves the needle so much, but I think it does move it a little bit. If you win, I think we'll get a trade. If we lose, I don't think we'll get one. I think that's how it's going to go. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think we will. But yeah. Anywho, thank you to everyone who has joined us this evening. We really appreciate you all. It's been good fun. Again, sorry about a little break in between the bits, but yeah, it happens. Uh, Hopefully, I'll talk to you again later. If not, you'll see Matt and Ash on the stream, so come join those guys. Me and Ryan will be back next week talking about week 10 of the season, and we'll be looking over the... Well, it'll be the second iteration of the college football playoff rankings by then. We'll be talking Penn State at Michigan at Penn State, all that good stuff. So join us for that. Um, But yeah, 
Thank you ever so much. You know where to find us, Roar of the Lions UK, all over the internet. You will, uh, you will find us. You will find even people repping our merch now. We're, we're, we're addictive. So yeah, thanks ever so much. Enjoy the game tonight, wherever you're watching it. Let's go, Lions. Let's go, kill the Raiders. Let's go, six and two. Let's go and sit on the bye week. Let the team heal before we kick the NFC North ass in the second half of the season. Till then, au revoir. Thank you for supporting the Roar of the Lions UK podcast. You can find us on our socials on YouTube at Roar of the Lions UK, Twitch, Twitter and Instagram, ROTL underscore UK, and on our website, www.roaroftheliondsuk.com.